Hello and welcome to The One One. I'm BJ Ryan, episode 73, sponsored by Betfair. Don't bet harder, bet smarter at Betfair. Joining me on your West Australian Racing podcast via Zoom is the man they call the Perth Racing Guru, the one and only Terry Layton. G'day, Terry. G'day, Mr. Ryan. How are you? Not too bad. I've uh, sent out a search party for you. I hardly heard from you after last week's episode of The One One. Where have you been? I had a little uh, little sojourn down south for uh, a good friend's wedding. It was back to back, back to back weddings for me. So I had Luke uh, week one, and uh, last week it was Ben Greens down in uh, down in Bustleton, my business partner, a little pub crawl business we have. Uh, so it was a uh, a lengthy old week down there. I'm still a little bit of a, a shell of a human being, uh, BJ. But uh, off again tomorrow, actually, or later this afternoon, potentially for another break. Yeah, going away for a proper holiday. I've not holiday for um, a proper holiday. Geez, for more than two days in a couple of years now. So I got to try and switch everything off. Um, switch everything off for a uh, for a week and uh, try and uh, just just find my inner zen. Um, You're going to have um, a uh, device detox or what? Yeah, uh, to some degree, I would. I I'm one of those people. I'd lo- I will be because I haven't had a proper break in that sense for quite a while. But uh, geez, would there be anything worse? Because we follow horses, we, we're ready for horses to go. If, if one of your, your big black bookers gets up at fifty to one, you know, you'd uh, you'd struggle to um, yeah to live with yourself. So, well, that I think uh, that, that state of zen would be pretty short lived as soon as you turn yeah, your phone would, back uh, on, wouldn't it? It would turn. It would. It would get very angry very quickly. So uh, I think I'll, I'll limit myself to two hours a day. Um, but no, looking forward to a little sojourn. But I will miss you, BJ, as you know. So you won't be joining me next Thursday. No, no, I won't be. No, I'll be. Uh, I'll be off uh, and away. And, enjoying um, yourself. A well, well earned. Enjoying well myself. Break. Yeah. Well, you might. You might need a well earned break from me as well, perhaps. <laughs> A guru detox, yeah, yeah, I like it. Uh, well, that opens uh, that that means that there's a vacant seat or two for next week's edition, which would be seven, episode seventy four of the one one. So perhaps uh, perhaps an opportunity to get McCormick and Son bookmakers on Pete and Scott. McCormick and Son, the work's never done. There's yeah. always something new. <laughs> yeah, I uh, I actually ran into them at Ascot Racecourse last Saturday and mentioned to them that there might be a uh, an opening on the. One one coming up, and um, both of uh, both Peter and Scotty seemed keen, so we might be able to make it happen next week. Terry, I love their uh, I love their work at the moment. Uh, hard work being an on course bookmaker in this day and age, obviously, and it's a different demographic. I always said, oh, I personally think I was born in the wrong era. Um, we love Betfair, and we love um, certain aspects of the the industry at the moment, but uh, there would have been something very uh, powerful to me about you can first have your bets on down at the track half an hour before they jump or get on with someone on the day. You have to go down a little wheelbarrow of cash. That would be, um, yeah, I, I'm disappointed that error is, uh, well, it's a bygone era. It is a bygone era. Things have changed a lot, haven't they? Yeah, it's great to see Pete and Scotty uh, back out on course uh, flying the flags for the on-course bookmakers, and they did make a trip down to Albany last week, Terry. And um, I don't think Pete was too happy that they uh, got a bit of a smash windscreen, <laughs> smash no. windscreen on the way back. So I think anything, any money they made out of the the venture um, uh, was soon uh, offloaded to windscreens O'Brien, I think, uh, Guru. But um, but yeah, no, they're they're enthusiastic about WA racing and about promoting the game. So. Hopefully they're available to jump on the show next week and deputise for 
Terry the Guru Leighton, but uh, if not, we'll we'll find some other uh, uh, WA Racing enthusiasts to jump on and keep the podcast rolling on in uh, in Terry's absence. So. Um, yeah, so we'll see. We'll we'll uh, we'll reveal more on uh, on Twitter during the week, early part of next week as well. So big thank might you. Not get, might not get my spot back. Yeah, no, I doubt that. Be, I doubt that, Terry. I'll be uh, omitted. <laughs> yeah. Uh, big thanks to last week's guest, Steve Wolf, jumped on uh, jumped on the podcast, and um, yeah, we had a, we had a blast. I think talking to the Wolfman, Terry. Certainly did. There's plenty of positive feedback in regards to that, and um, yeah, alongside the uh, interview with Simon Miller a few weeks ago. Definitely my two favourite, uh, my two favourite interviews. I was in, uh, yeah, in stitches at, uh, at certain aspects of that. Uh, yeah. The old, the old school mentality, you can't get away with it in every, every part of society uh, these days, but um, just, uh, yeah, no, just, just enjoyed it thoroughly. Would you have liked to have played against a, uh, a 20 something Steve Wolf on the cricket field? Terry? Yeah. He didn't. He did. He wasn't short of confidence. Oregon, <laughs> Oregon, Oregon. The way he was talking, my little, my little, my little leg breaks would have uh, been sa- would have been sailing back over me head. I reckon. I think you would have been getting dispatched just quietly. Oh, so, and I would. I reckon he would have told me about it as well. <laughs> Bit of chirp. Yeah. <laughs> no, it was uh, it was good. Wolfie came on and um, and we had lots of lots of fun. Uh, reliving uh, his uh, his racing journey, but also we spoke about Export Man as he was shooting to become the first two-year-old to win the Magic Millions Classic, Caracatta Plate, and Size Produce Stakes, and he very nearly pulled it off, uh, going mm. down with um, narrowly to Hoy An, who's descended from the clouds to to knock him off and deny uh, Export Man that uh, that elusive travel. Yeah, no, it was uh, it was a it was a funny one, wasn't it? I really, yeah, yeah, it was a funny one. Hoyan, it was probably a ten out of ten from CJP the way he wrote it and wrote in for luck. And we Sean, know that, sorry, uh, Sean O'Donnell. Oh, Sean O'Donnell was back yeah, on. Sorry, yeah. um, it just yeah, it was an absolute, uh, absolute. It was a very CJP-ish type ride. Actually. Yeah, yeah. Um, yeah, just just rode for luck, and uh, it was yeah an absolute ten out of ten. And uh, I think most of us had pegged it down to a tour race with Leewar and Export Man, but um, no good on him. Roy's team's been flying, and um, you have to say the way they've been going, he's probably deserved a feature win like this. So uh, good stuff to Roy. Just yeah. a shame he couldn't get it done uh, on uh, on Big Butter Boom, who I think uh, half of WA had uh, thrown in on. But um, uh, look, we should have we should have seen Miss Marietta leading there, obviously. <laughs> Honestly, honestly, you got to be kidding me, don't you? Seriously, grow up. Uh, on the um, on the size, it was there was a. I love going back and watching the the replays because I uh, obviously I was on Export Man and I was in the queue basically at the two hundred, and mm. I just I was just trying to I was just scratching my head trying to work out what happened, and there was a moment in the race, uh, probably around the. 1,000, 1,100, 1,000-meter uh, mark where Sean O'Donnell looked looked to tack on in the three-wide line and then he just changed his mind. He must have must have spotted the red colors of Export Man or something like that, changed his mind, angled back to inside and um, uh, and then it was uh, from there it was just it just opened up really nicely for for Hoi An and and um, and Donga like uh, Export Man was again sort of tracking Lee Wah as uh, as they did in the Karakata Plate Lee Wah 
Got first opening, um, let down to to look the winner for a stage, and then export man collared Lee Wire, and then Hoi Yang got the last crack at both of them. And um, it's just those moments in races, in, in big races, where it's like, yeah, that's because uh, if he stays in the three wide line, it doesn't win. So it's no, exactly um, right. it's, it's such a game of small margins, and uh, those split seconds decisions are, are everything. And Sean O'Donnell got that one right, and. Um, and uh, yeah, and she's a, she's she's a sparkling filly, isn't she? She's done some good things in her two-year-old campaign. So obviously got got uh, a stack of ability for her to get over the top of uh, Export Man, which uh, I imagine would be one of the strongest finishing two-year-olds going around. That it's uh, it, it's quite the feather in the cap and a feather in the cap for Roy Rogers Racing, who have enjoyed the season of a lifetime. And uh, as Terry said, certainly earned uh, a big race victory which they got on Saturday it's funny because we were we thought Roy was up to something in a couple of races on the card Terry echo effect and big butter boom well, we got we got that map right I, I wasn't see I wasn't too disappointed by that I jumped about 20 bucks on Betfair as well so the money the money was around for it um and it was a speculatory bet they'd go forward it would show something but we got half that right it just didn't just, just didn't show anything but just just on what you were talking about um with those second decisions and how they can change the result of a race this is no knock um on mitchell pateman but if you go back and watch um i see red uh acromantula and who was in the breeze type one now mitchell's got the back of acromantula type one's in the breeze now mitchell opts to go and follow type one when he could have stayed on the back of acromantula um and follow him into the race, peel off. Uh, uh, probably saves a length and a half and probably beats home Acromantula. But Mitch has decided to jump on the back of the $60 pop instead of staying on the back of the equal favourite. Um, and that's costing the race. But that's, it's just a little, I didn't back, I didn't back him. So I'm not, it's nothing to do with it. But I'm just saying it's just such minute decisions like that um, that can change the course of a race. So it's, uh, every race. yeah, I think every race. Every race. Yeah. Exactly, exactly right. So it's giving you sort of a positive, negative um, mindset in both of those two. It's just, it's just such a minimal, uh, yeah, it's just such there's split second minimal decisions, uh, which change the course of um, yeah, race that can often be decided by a very small margin. Yeah, and I think the, the, the good jockeys get more of those split decisions, right? So, uh, and um, but yeah, I think that might have been one of the very few mistakes that Mitchell Pateman made last Saturday. We um, we spoke at length because he was deputizing for William Pike on uh, a couple of mounts, Image Keeper and and final chill and there was there was a bit of a query about what price we should be taking what's a good price with uh pike off and pateman on and will mitchell be able to i think i used the word finesse uh, have the necessary finesse to uh handle final chill who has a very specific who's actually enjoying a very specific way of being ridden but i'll tell you what i don't think the I don't even think Pike could have ridden those two horses better. So hats off to Mitchell, image keeper, too good. Uh, three from three this prep and final chill was absolutely dominant, made that mid-race move when the when the speed slackened, established a break, kick clear, and that was quite an incredible staying performance and has to be really hard to beat in the uh, in the road to Jericho qualifier at Albany this Sunday. Oh, yeah, Monday, no, that was Monday, rather, isn't it? Monday, yeah. yeah. No, they were two, two super rides. Um, there was obviously the query whether they were winning because of Pike, but it uh, might have been the story. Pike uh, Pike might have been on the horses at the right time because they uh, yeah, they certainly didn't miss him in the slightest, did they? Not one bit. And speaking of the wizard, he uh, did us proud again at Caulfield last Saturday for a fly-in, fly-out assault uh, in, in Melbourne and um, three winners for the wizard. Sister... In the Bellespree, a listed $140,000 race. 
Sosi Bon in the Gold Mile, Vobus Gold Mile. That was a $250,000 race. And, of course, WA's own labor rod for Sean and Jake Casey. He was three wide, no cover with 60 kilos and was dominant in the Vobus Gold Sprint, another $250,000 race. And Pike's just gone bang, bang, bang with a winning treble, uh, filled his boots again, and congratulations to Sean and Jake Casey and everyone involved with the labor rod operation. That horse is absolutely flying, and uh, I believe that they're targeting a Goodwood sprint with uh, with this fellow who, um, Wally Daly, the owner of labor rod, uh, won with Vega Magic a few years ago. Yeah, no, he's certainly low-flying. It's amazing what uh, the 1-1 one, one pot hat can do for you, isn't it? <laughs> That's right. And uh, William Pike, just letting our listeners know that he is in high demand at the moment and I believe that he's going to be making hit-and-run missions in Queensland and South Australia in the coming weeks and months. And uh, I imagine that we'll be seeing less and less of Pikey uh, in, the, uh, in 2021. And I have heard a few rumours. Terry, I don't know if you'll like this or not, but... Uh, this is the bit of a bit of scuttlebutt that's been flying around that the wizard is is looking at buying property over in Victoria. So um, there's uh, there's a few things flying around about uh, about the success of William Pike over on on the east coast and and uh, will he or won't he uh, uh, attempt to to make his mark over there on a more regular basis? But uh, regardless, we love watching the wizard ride and uh, he's a bloody legend. Another four winners yesterday as well. Yeah, it's a it's just an easy game, isn't it? Yeah, he's uh, he's uh, he's too too good. He's our William Pike. So anyway, mate, I think we better get started. You've got to hit the road shortly, so we better get started on our Diggers Cup Day preview. Let's get into it. Okay, it's time to partner with Betfair and preview Diggers Cup Day. BJ Ryan, Terry Layton, we are recording the 1-1, the West Australian Racing Podcast. It's uh, 20 to 11 on Thursday, the 22nd of April. It's an Anzac Day long weekend. Narragin kicks things off this afternoon. Diggers Cup Day as well as Yelgu Cup Day on Saturday. Yelgu, I, I haven't been there. Have you been to Yelgu, Terry? No, I've never been to, to Yelgu. Definitely on the uh, the bucket list. Mm. Um, that's a lie, actually. It's not on the bucket list. But uh, no, I'd, I'd love to. I've never done a uh, – have you ever done a deep sort of non-tab country cup before, BJ? No, I no, no. I'd love to. No, actually, I think I might have done Leonora Cup once, but um, but no, the, some of these cups that come up, you uh, a road trip to check them out uh, once would be good, I reckon. So uh, yeah. I think there's some there's some queries on the on-course bookmaking, though. A mate of mine uh, used to teach up in Mount Magnet and gave me a buzz from the track or sent me a photo. It was a while ago now, and um, the book, it was a five-or-five five horse race, I think, and the book had a a horse at a dollar eighty and two others at around two seventy. So if, if you do if you do the maths, you weren't uh, you really really needed to be astute to uh, to make money in that sort of book. I think it was worse than the markets that Brad goes up on a Thursday <laughs> afternoon. So it sounds like the bookies had a bit in their favour. Uh, at old yeah. Mount Magna, I think a bit of that goes on at Yelgu as well. But uh, good mm. luck to the community and everyone getting and the club that gets behind uh, venues such as Yelgu and towns such as Yelgu for their uh, once a year race days. And uh, I'm sure it will go off uh, into Terrific fashion. That's sad day. Pinjara Scarpside. Scarpside is going to be making its debut uh, as well as Kalgoorlie on Sunday. Of course, uh, Pinjara Scarpside was scheduled to run a couple of weekends ago, Terry, but that was switched back to the the old Pinjara, the original Pinjara because of the weather. But Scarpside is up and running this Sunday. And uh, Albany on uh, the Anzac Day public holiday Monday with the $100,000 road to Jericho WA qualifier. And the Guru, I think you might even have a runner at Albany on Monday. 
Uh, yeah, we've got some material witness going around again. We've probably run into the, the best class one of all time uh, last Wednesday and we just couldn't run down time scale um, in the last uh, couple of strides. But uh, look, if, if he travels well and he's a happy horse, I presume we start around $1.70 and, and hopefully should be winning and hopefully we're not far from uh, having a crack at something a bit more substantial on a Saturday perhaps. Who's the pilot? W. Pike. Oh, Mr. Mr. Pike is going down there to ride final chill. So he thought, well, he's there. Or maybe he's going down to ride material oh, witness. Surely, thought, well, while he's there, he might ride final chill. So, um, yeah, look, he's, he's maturing, does a lot wrong, but uh, he's got a big, big engine. So um, be disappointed if he lost on Monday. Very good. Uh, and stay tuned throughout the show for info on how you can enter the Mundaring Hotels, WA Racing Mastermind and the Market City Meets Get Out Stakes competitions, BJ. Also, we uh, we had the Dugway Black Arts launch party for the Horse Racing League. That was at Ascot last Saturday. Lovely day on course. Size Produce Stakes Day. And uh, the TRO actually announced that they had purchased a tried horse currently located in Queensland. Uh, so this tried horse is set to race under the WA Black Arts banner, a four-year-old named Inchian Express. Now, this horse has had three starts for one big win on the Ballarat Synthetic track. This was uh, back in June last year. Well-travelled, actually. It's uh, It's gone from Victoria to Queensland. Now it's on its way to Western Australia. But the, um, the TRL team has secured Inchian Express, obviously passed, uh, ticked all the boxes as far as a form and uh, veterinary um, clearance process goes. And this is going to be the first horse to race for the TRL in Australia and uh, will be representing the, the WA Black Arts franchise. So um, also there was uh, all the... All the trainers except for Adam Durant, I believe, were, were a part of the function and um, and spoke really well uh, alongside the host, Brittany Taylor. We had Simon A. Miller, the Pierce brothers, Hayden Ballantyne, Todd Harvey, Jimmy Taylor. They were all there um, talking to the the Black Arts faithful, so it was um, it was a it was a good day, and um, the the host picked the uh, picked the brains of, of the trainers, and uh, it was good stuff. It was actually funny. One of the questions to the Pierce brothers, Terry, and you'd like this um, was how come you don't use William Pike more? And um, the 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 uh, Dan and Pierce had a bit of a laugh, and sort of mentioned how hard it was to. Um, uh, to get hold of to, to book the the wizard, of course, and just to show how how hard it is to book the wizard. Just in that moment when that question was asked, I think William Pike won. Uh, wrote a winner at Caulfield, so that uh, that was that was quite funny because the the interview stopped while everyone roared home Pikey in uh, at Caulfield. So that was a bit that was a bit of humour, but um, no, it was a good occasion. And the the Black Arts are starting to gather a bit of momentum with this uh, this tried horse Inchian Express on its way across to Western Australia and a trainer to be determined. Terry? Yeah, fairly uh, fairly um, big maiden victory. I saw the uh, the footage of that and the announcement, all very exciting. And, uh, yeah, a little bit disappointed. I was away last weekend and couldn't come to that launch party. It was something I was quite looking forward to. But, um, no, looking uh, – it's exciting what is to come uh, with the Black Hearts. So, uh, yeah, looking forward to uh, to seeing it all evolve and uh, and seeing how Inchian Express – goes over here. Is it racing? It's racing over here, obviously. Yes, it's with one of our trainers. Yeah, so, yeah. yeah. So yeah, the, the yeah. trainers have to make their pitch, I believe, and then the members vote on who they think should uh, should train Inchian Express. And I think the TRL guys are uh, currently close to securing a second tried horse for the Black Arts to 
get kick-started over here in the West. So, yeah, yeah we're, we'll just negoti- we're just negotiating the sale of the slug at the moment with them. So <laughs> we're, we're holding out for 600,000 and they're only offering 400. Well, so very uh, progressive stayer. So, mm. yeah, I can, I can see why there's a bit of back and forth going on. So, um, uh, yeah, good luck with that negotiation there, Terry, for mm. the slug. No, but thanks. The, thanks. Um, but, yeah, so the, the, the Black Arts, as I said, starting to gather a little bit of momentum. So we'll watch this space and, um, and if you want any more information on the Black Arts, go to blackarts.net or trl.net. It's all there for you to, to discover. So, okay, Terry, let's get cracking on Diggers Cup Day. Ascot, Saturday, April 24 we have nine race program chris nation and his team have moved the rail back to the true position uh, originally they forecast a maximum of 31 but i see they've reviewed that it's back down to 29 with light winds uh, interesting i thought the track uh, had the definitely had the edge off it last saturday and vince Cardi's times or the the stuff that uh, i subscribe to suggest uh confirm that and um so even some of the jockeys said in their post-race comments that the there was a, a portion of the track which was a bit cut up and wasn't wasn't quite um, as pristine as Ascot can be. But uh, it has been a long season and uh, mm. we're getting close to the end of it. And the rail was uh, was out. I think seven meters. Is that right? Last Saturday. Was it yeah. seven? Seven? Yeah. So back to the true, fresh pad, uh, all, um, obviously, um, with the, the true is always a good position for leaders and on-speed horses, but hopefully we get a fair surface. But, um, but yeah, I think that rain that we had leading up to last Saturday's meeting definitely took the, uh, took the edge off the track and the, um, and the benchmark time certainly, certainly confirmed that. But uh, I imagine that it's going to be a fast deck at Ascot this Saturday. So uh, let's get started, Terry. Race one, eh? Yes, race one. Jeez, the Bluestone Maiden, BJ. Bluestone Maiden. Just what we needed to do is pad out a Ascot card with uh, with a maiden that looks like this. Um, 11.48 a.m. over the 1,500 metres. Uh, not a huge amount to really stay here. Uh, your favourite's $2.20. It's first up for 485 days at 1,500 metres when the trial was six weeks ago. I reckon in a nutshell, that sums it up. This yeah. race. What do you reckon? Like, I mean, yeah, I've, I've got in my notes, I mean, this is, I said to you before we jumped on, there's a couple of horses today. You can't price. You can, you can do whatever you like. You can say whatever you like, but unless you're probably still Casey and, and um, working this horse yourself and, and whatnot, you, you can't price a horse. It's hard enough to price a horse that hasn't trialed in six weeks. It's obviously had a setback. It's obviously not super sound being so far between runs. Um, but um, it, it's just an impossibility to know where Cross Swords is out. So yeah. you simply cannot take $2.20 um, about it for, for us. I mean, you got to think why, because this trial was really good six, seven weeks ago. And that form has been franked by the horse we were just talking about, Material Witness. Um, but why is it, why is it up to the 1500 meters? Is, is it really dour in its work now? Is he, does it, does he think it needs further? I mean, bringing your horse back after such a, a long period off, you would have thought you'd, you'd stick to a shorter course. Um, at least initially, uh, I would have thought, especially from a fitness point of view, not trialing for six weeks, but anyway, uh, Mitchell Pateman rode in both trials. Bradwell Will is on now. Has Mitchell Pateman opted to stick with platinum label BJ? Perhaps that's, that's a thought process you could definitely have here. Um, but it's, it's very poor maiden to start the day. Um, I'll have a starber on top. I thought a starber, um, has gone Chris Willis, the yard in general is flying. Yeah, um, good. 
look at what he did. Look at what he did with uh, well, Kerman Rock, obviously, but look what he did with Tried Horse by the name of Proceeds of Crime, which Peter Fernie couldn't get to win. Um, not only did he win his maiden, but he came out one again. Um, Might even win again on Saturday. <clears throat> Yeah, it's not, not an impossibility on Saturday. Um, but Estab is another. Took from Jero, had a little bit of ability and showed a bit in Jero. Uh, and the three runs, it's improved every time. That run behind Image Keeper and Venetian Jewel looks very strong now. The run behind Scorpion Storms was huge when he actually got out to the worst part of the track in the straight. Uh, yeah, horse's heart uh, on that rail. Yeah, the winner, winner got the cutaway, yeah. Yeah, exactly yeah. right. Winner, winner, winner got the, the winning run that day. You needed that run in the first five to win races. Um, no horses came wide and really gave much at all. Um, and that was further shown by horses like Classic Magnus coming out the next start running super when they simply couldn't get going down the middle of that track. So um, blinkers on, form yard. I think a star lands near them and um, and can run a race from probably leaders back. Yeah, I, I'd almost... This is an embarrassment. <laughs> this, yeah. this is an embarrassment, this Bluestone Maiden. Uh, to kick off Diggers Cup Day, the program, Sheila Gwynn Stakes as well, with this, you know, this is just unacceptable really. So I can't, I, I can't see how this race adds anything to the program or, or, or benefits the, um, what we're trying to achieve here in, in WA racing. Like this is, this is provincial stuff. So, um, at best, at best. So we just, I don't. I, I'll have to have a look at the program moving forward just to see if there's any more of these maidens. But sh- surely they, this, people are people are voting with their feet. They're they're not they're not supporting their these uh, these races with their with their quality maidens. And because they're four year old pluses as well, it's um, you know, a lot, a lot of maidens are, are full of three year olds with um, you know, talented looking to win that, get that get that uh, first win on the board, and and then move through the grades from there. But uh, I don't know the um, these uh, yeah, I, I just can't see they just don't have a place on Saturday Metropolitan Racing for mine, and and I'd like to see a bit more thought put into the programming moving forward because these is just, as I said, just yeah, embarrassing for us to serve this up on Sky Channel when there's uh, feature racing um, in every other state of Australia, and we've got this this maiden going on, so it's it's really disappointing. From a winner's point of view, I think it's either going to be Platinum Label or a Star Bar. I'm happy to take on Cross Swords for all the reasons that Terry uh, outlined in his spiel. It'll be, the winner will either be a Star Bar or Platinum Label, and I went narrowly with Platinum Label on top. I marked him uh, favourite for what it's worth, and I think I was about 320. I think he's 360 at the moment. But, um, yeah, I think the blinkers on certainly bring um, uh, had the potential to extract another length or two out of a star bar from gate one. So, I, yeah, either one of those two will uh, be going on top for me. But uh, uh, gun to head, I'll go with Platinum Label, Mitchy Pateman on board. Was wide throughout behind another Willis trained winner, actually, Hinch and Mose at Pinjarra on a sort of rain affected track. I thought there was plenty of merit in the way that he uh, hit the line after covering plenty of additional ground in transit. Uh, his lead up trial form prior to that, after an absence, was, uh, was really good as well. So, Platinum Label gets the nod narrowly just ahead of a starper. Very good. If you look for some value in the first, uh, boy, oh boy, wowee. Uh, I thought the trial was very similar to Platinum Label. And then I thought uh, the debut, I thought Platinum Label was slightly better. Um, but I thought boy, oh boy, wowee probably towed Platinum Label into yeah, it a did, little bit on the, the work, bend. Yeah. Just the more thing for me is one's $3.80, one's 18 to one. Um, so I think if you're looking for an each way player in the first, I think boy, oh boy, wowee for me is more a $10 chance. But uh, not overly excited here, BJ. 
Yeah, it's very um, – yeah, I'm with you there, mate. Share, share your sentiments there in mm. regards to the Bluestone Maiden, but uh, hopefully things can start gathering a bit more momentum moving through Diggers Cup Day, race two. Blue, Bluestone can get their money back? <laughs> surely, surely this is their – Sorry, Bluestone. Blue, it's it's nothing nothing personal. It's uh, – it's, uh, but, yes, no, you, I think that would be – It should be called the shit show, Maiden. <laughs> Does that, does that sound the, a bit better? The or? dog shit maiden, yeah. The dog shit maiden, yeah. Uh, the, the, grow, the grow up maiden. Grow up, anyway, yeah. yeah. Tell you what, it doesn't get a huge amount better in race two, BJ, um, but at least uh, at least uh, we have a little bit more to discuss. In the Tab Touch West, West Speed Platinum Handicap over the 1,800 metres, uh, it spoke about cross swords very uh, briefly in the first as a horse. It's near impossible to place. Um, like we're both looking to bet around cross swords, for example, but there's, there's every chance with steel casing. If there's big money, it could potentially brain them. You just, yep. you just, you just don't know off that type of break. Like you've just got to take those on more often than not if they're two bucks 20. But another one here is Blackwater Bay. Yeah, BJ, I think we both would probably agree. This is, I reckon this is the best horse in the race by three or four lengths yep. by, 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 by panels, but Pike is going to have to snag back to last, I reckon, from Barrier 7. Um, so he'll probably be dead last early in the day at Ascot, which is never the place you want to be. Um, the trial was on the 8th of March. So that's six weeks ago now, seven weeks ago now. And uh, he races fresh at 1,800 metres. Incredible, now we incredible seen, stuff from Adam Durant, really, isn't it? It is. I mean, we've seen <laughs> we've seen treat, treat yourself and come right back to that same yard, yeah. do similar things. But they both had a 1,450-metre trial a week before yeah. that first up run where they went well. Um, which is a really good uh, a really good base for it. So, look, I went into this thing and right, let's get Blackwater Bay beaten. Um, but I've ended up making marking Blackwater Bay three dollars thirty, which is pretty close to the to the current price. Um, when, when you're talking Fryers Fantasia, the obvious second pick, you can understand why you've got to you've got to go back to Blackwater Bay to some degree. I mean, yeah, exactly. Um, what's what's the shortest you could possibly get Fryers Fantasia? Uh, I, mean, like, I, I, then, I got that, a five bucks, five then, bucks, and I, I felt, I, and I hated myself I, for marking Fryers Fantasia well, so. five bucks on a Saturday. So how do you how do you fill a how do you fill a market when you got Fryers uh, Fantasia? second favourite five dollars so dearie dearie me I mean you, you see yeah you see a horse like try storm is third favourite in the book at the moment I've got try storm equal um, equal long shot alongside Joe Vella so, proceeds so at how, prime but question how many mm, races in a row did you back try storm before it won I can yeah it can do things to itself I'm, I'm really disappointed with with try storm's timing <laughs> as a as a racehorse uh, I've got no time for try storm I reckon it copped two really nice rides but yard man frequent fry that's not good form I uh, had a chance against Karanis gone early that wasn't oh that wasn't a horrible form but did you did you back at five reference. starts in a row prior to its its maiden uh, win probably probably every single start I've ever raced in I reckon and uh Deary me, the day we were beaten by Detorka. Um, yeah, I just thought you're kidding. No, that was, yeah, just just a bit of a sook. Anyway, that's all right. These things happen. It's racing. Yeah. We love it. Blah, blah, blah. All those other. The great game. Uh, cliches. The, gra- oh, the, the greatest. The greatest of games. But, um, yeah, no, for me, BJ, uh, classic roads flying in the southwest, by the way. I know it's uh, only narrowly lost schoolwork. Bless its little heart. And uh, beat Ayasha last start in the tightest of finishes. But it's racing like a horse with a fair bit of zest. Um, 3.2 off Plato reads pretty well for this. Three starts back as well. So, um yeah, they, they can all win this. To be honest, like there's there's no reason that uh, any of these eight runners can't win it with the right run. But uh, nothing has appealed at, at a, as a bet at my prices. So for once, and it's a rarity, I am just going to say pass, pass. Mm. Yeah, I think there's going to be 
a lot of people with similar views on this race, Terry. I mean, the thing that I have liked recently is just in general, this is very general, uh, the way that the Adam Durant runners are performing um, a lot more consistent. They look like they're actually um, running up to their levels of ability, a Good double yesterday, I believe it was a double for the Adam Durant yard. Just think they've they've flicked a switch recently. So, I mean, I agree with Terry. I think Blackwater Bay is easily the best horse in this race. He's only had five starts though, and he's a um, he's a four year old heading towards five in August. So he's either been very slow to mature or he's had lots of lots of issues. A thousand meter trial, first up over eighteen hundred meters. There's lots of lots of question marks around, but what do you do? I mean, it's got William Pike, Adam Durant, best horse in the race. Um, it just yeah, I, I tipped Blackwater Bay in the in the leg up on top just on pure ability and if if uh, the durant camp has this fellow anywhere near right he should should be winning especially with uh with william pike and the way that he's riding at the moment and um i mean there's just there's just not not a lot else here to get too enthusiastic about i mean um proceeds of crime we just mentioned chris willis his stable doing well it's going to race up on top of the speed and chris chris willis might be able to win the first two races on diggers cup day actually but um but yeah i mean classic rogue again won really well with 59 and a half conceding the second place get a seven kilos was 1900 back to 1500 showing some versatility on the quick is on the quick backup this sad day so sean mcgrady back in the saddle actually back from that back injury that uh, meant that he missed the winning ride on export man in the caricature plate so good luck to shawnee mcgrady back in the saddle this saturday but yeah it's just a thin thin old race and um I won't talk anyone out of any of these runners because no. any of the eight could win. But as um, as I mentioned in the first, if you're desperate for a on-top selection, then for me, class should prevail. Blackwater Bay, William Pike, Adam Durant. Yes, yes, class should prevail if it's right. But that's yeah. oh, I was three dollars Blackwater Bay for what it's worth. So. Yeah, I was. I initially had it four, and oh, you could have marked at any price. Like it's just, it's guesswork. It's uh, it's pure and simple guesswork. Uh, guesswork, BJ. So, yeah, not not much happening in race one or two at uh, at Ascot. Race three, the RSL WA Trophy for two-year-olds over one thousand meters. Now this is a this is a bit more like it. We've got a couple of horses coming back out of the Karakata Plate, which are extending their programs. We have Ain't No Other Man, who looks a promising type from the informed Sean and Jake Casey Yard. A few first starters and and a first upper by the name of Estrape. Estrape, I think Estrape, it is. yes. Dan yes. Morton, Sean O'Donnell in the uh, in the Hoi An colours, and um, Gate One. This horse uh, placed in a Crystal Slipper behind Heavenly Waters and uh, ran third behind Ultimate Command, Flying Missile, and I think fourth in that race was Polizier back on the fifth of December. So there is a bit of talent engaged in this two-year-old uh, contest. So things are definitely heating up a little bit here in race three of the day. Terry, did you? Uh, did you do the deep dive on the two-odd race or are you moving forward into the program? No, I, I did. I did. Um, I think very simply it's you got to make a decision whether you think flying missile uh, has um, has how much the, the gut buster and the Karakata, Karakata um, took out 
of uh, him or her, BJ. Her. Yep. Her, took out of her. Um, but I think the fact that Neville's given her 21 days between runs, you can back that she's probably going pretty well. Uh, there's a stack of speed in this. You're going to see uh, even horses like Gorgeous Gossip come across. Um, there is just a, a real, real abundant sock off ultimate command with the blinkers on you think they're going to be aggressive there so they might have a look to park flying missile then you're going to say well who's going to be a better horse park flying missile or perhaps ain't no other man who's now parked twice in a row and has some experience parking so um sound like a driving instructor don't i mm. uh it is so for me i, I marked him flying missile three bucks i ain't no other man four bucks uh a strap and ultimate commanders are dangers but i really think those two looked out between them but the market again for me is is bang on here bj um yeah i was hoping you could find me something outside of the box to uh to tip us into because it's another race where i just really can't see an investment yeah i thought that it was a gut buster in the Caracatta, wasn't it? Flying missile attacked on an absolutely searing tempo, and Chris Parnham just kept attacking too on straightening and and uh, led uh, before being collared by Pat Scott Sass initially, and then obviously the the early burn just just told on her late. She was coming off a very low pressure eleven hundred meter first up win flying missile, so for her to be as competitive as that uh, in the Caracatta plate, considering the the way the race was run and the work that she had to do early that was a that was a huge run what has that taken off her like how do you even measure that 21 days between runs is um is is a good uh, is a good break to recover from such a um i don't know such a searching workout that she would have experienced and plenty of uh and Neville Parnham has um, has his own property that he's that he's able to freshen these horses up if he needs needs to, and even the stable mate Ultimate Command had a bit of a torrid run in the Caracatta plate as well. We all expected Brad Parnham to push forward and try to even try to attack in the um, in the Caracatta from gate six. He ended up getting caught wide throughout and settled mid back. So. I think the thing with that as well is that um, Neville Parnham and Ultimate Command Flying Missile and Storm Whisper in the Caracatta, he's not going to say to all three of them, let's be super aggressive. There was always going to be, because I think they whipped the shades of Ultimate Command as well. Mm. So there was always going to be some sort of tactical mindset to try things a little bit differently. And I guess just we as punters weren't notified which ones were going to sit, which ones are going to go forward. So that's all. It probably also poses a question in where and I'm not having a go at anyone here, but where, where, where is the line drawn in regards to um, how much do trainers and how much do connections have to share with the public in that regard? I mean, there was one yesterday where Brad wrote, um, oh, what, what did he write? Um, in race one. In race one, uh, critical attitude. And um, I saw Brad had a little interaction on Twitter. Uh, it was really good stuff with Cripper and, and a couple of the other guys. He just said, look, they wanted to chase the leader because uh, they felt that when he hit the front too early, he, uh, he was looking around or whatnot. Um, it's just sort of, well, do we need to um, notify? I'm not saying you do. I'm not saying you don't. But I just feel like there needs to be a more blanket rule. It's very hit and miss um, when things are notified and things aren't notified. So I just like a more... Uh, I don't know. I guess there's more consistency in, in, in what's required of stables to what they have to tell the public and what they don't have to tell the public. And if the answer is I don't have to tell you bugger all, then you know what? No worries. But that's the rule. Like yeah. just, just keep it, just keep it nice and simple in that sense. I think. Yeah. I mean, we've had this discussion before. Are we, are we better off knowing or are we better off not knowing? Because some, we know sometimes and we know, and we don't know a lot of the times. So Brad, 
explained himself and his the the choice of tactics well on Twitter. He just said we felt as though critical altitude uh, got a bit lost in front, first up and second up, and the the idea was to give uh, that particular horse something to to chase and um, and not necessarily lead in that race yesterday. Is that a is that a change of tactics? Uh, do we deserve to know that? Because that is um, that's a significant change to the map and um, and to the way that the the race plays out. As it turns out, Sun Sun leads comfortably. Uh, Mitchell Pateman likes loves nothing better than getting that that kind of lead where he can rate, dictate, kick off the Ascot turn and and just control proceedings from there. And gave nothing else a look in, and it was a well judged front running ride by Mitchie. But that um, but did we did we need to did did we deserve to know what was what was the, the thought process pre-race with critical altitude? I don't know. For me, sometimes I feel like they're just better off just letting the jockeys and trainers work it out on the day and not not give any notifications. And then and mm-hmm. then we've got nothing to whinge about. And then we can the the, the um, tactics can be spontaneous and um, and the, the racing can perhaps be a little bit more exciting. And if there is a change of tactics and is if there is some unusual betting uh, moves and if there is some you know some um, some some line of questioning that needs to be done, and that's up to the stewards. You know that's their that's their job. So um, if if yeah if the uh, if horses aren't ridden to the way they're supposed to be ridden, and the betting marries up with with uh, with that, then the, it's up to the stewards to make those inquiries to to from an integrity point of view. But uh, I don't know. Sometimes it just creates more headaches. I think just these notifications because I think there was even one yesterday. Uh, was it Island Charm where a notification went out that they said they were going? That to- was uh, that was like well, <laughs> I, I laughed at that. Like yesterday was a day where I can I felt like I can comment on yesterday because I barely had an investment. I was away Monday, so I've focused on Narragin as I'm sure most punters have this week. Um, but first of all, like what what's Roy thinking? It was a seven horse field. We want to settle. <laughs> On speed with cover, there's only likely to be uh, three horses in the moving line. Like what you're literally saying, I want the one-one from seven. That's what I want Brad to have. I want him to have the one-one from seven. Like, and and trying to settle forward midweek when traditionally it's it's well favoured to to take a sit and come wide and and utilise the better ground. Like that to me was um, for a, for a stable that's in good nick. That's just that's that's just getting things completely and utterly wrong. Send you telling Brad to go forward and try to find a spot. The small field. If he sits last, that wins that race. I'm pretty sure. I'm pretty confident that'll. What about swooped Sunny Silk, uh, who was fresh uh, for about uh, for about eight months, I think. So, yeah, some some weird, weird, weird stuff. I, yeah, some weird stuff. I, I got no issue with them not notifying. Yeah. When that notification comes out, and it's like, well, hang on, like, where do you, as you said, where do you, where do you honestly expect to land? I just think, I just think straight away, this is going to get caught deep. Yeah. yeah. This is yeah. Where do you, where do you want to land? It just. Yeah. Oh dear, I don't know. I don't know. Some some odd stuff. With cover is possible. It's like, oh, sure, Brad Ruilla, we're just gonna uh, just let you slot in into the one-one here and race. That's the only spot that was available in that. That's the only spot that he could have landed to fit that. um, To to what he said, basically, yeah, it was uh, it was odd stuff. Yeah, so yeah, for 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 what it's worth, for mine, I I actually don't mind if they don't don't notify notify at all, and and then everyone can be on the same playing ground you know a level playing field where where we go in and we uh we we attack the race and and then it, it 
tactics can be left up to the jockeys and trainers and they can do what they think is best on the day and that's that's their job and that's what they're entitled to. But I think sometimes these notifications or lack of notifications or notifications gone wrong, I, I think they just create unnecessary headaches. But that is a discussion for another day. As far as this two-year-old 1,000-metre contest is concerned, Flying Missile, I think, is the uh, very classy filly. Plenty of talent, as we mentioned. Karakata plate run was huge. If she hasn't, if the edge hasn't been taken off her uh, from that Karakata gut buster, I think she'll be winning. Ain't no other man. Very stiff to be beaten in that head bobber by Featherweight the other day. Just got jammed up on the fence a touch at a critical moment. As I said, Sean and Jake Casey flying at the moment. Geordie Turner rides his horse well. He's a, he's a massive chance as well, and he's he's the biggest danger to flying missile. Obviously, Estrape. Nice filly in the making as well, but Terry said something out of the box. The only horse that I could really come up with out of the box is, I think, Miss Eugen. Eugen? Miss mm. Eugen, number 12, Jay McNaught, Tiana Robinson is the best of the first starters. I thought both this Rommel Phillies trials have been full of merit, and I, I think Mitchell Payton was quite easy on this horse over the uh, concluding stages in that April 12 trial. From gate three, bounced out. Miss Eugen can land leaders back. I think maybe flying missile comes across to take up the lead perhaps. So, you know, if she doesn't, then Miss Eugen might even boot through and hold the lead. But I think she is the best of the first starters and could run a race at a price. Uh, so actually, I'm just checking the tab touch flux at the moment. Open $21 and into $10 at the time of recording. So, um, so yeah, there's a couple of couple other people have um, picked up on that as well. But for me, I think Flying Missile should get the job done. Ain't no other man the biggest danger and Miss Eugen the best of the first starters. Yeah, it looks a race between flying missile and ain't no other man for me, BJ. But uh, look at the 250, 440 at the moment. I think the market's got it pretty right. Flying missile's a bit short. Ain't no other man's on its mark. Um, yeah, I can't see a bet or suggest a bet at this stage of proceedings. But uh, if we see a really strong move for one or the other, I wouldn't be afraid to have something on the uh, the Betfair Drifter, BJ. Okay. Moving on to race four, the first of our features. It's the Sheila Gwynn Classic, a listed 1,400-metre race, $100,000 on the table. Uh, This race was extended twice to attract Mm. more nominations during the week and uh, still could only manage a six-horse field. And the notable absentee is Starfield Clairvoyance who's um, unfortunately her racing future is currently in doubt with a serious leg injury after she kicked out at um, Impressive Racing Headquarters during the week. Uh, She's got bleeding on the knee and tendon sheaths, so uh, very serious stuff for Clairvoyance and hopefully she uh, she pulls through and... um, yeah, we're able to see her back at the races sometime soon, uh, Terry, because, um, yeah, would yeah, like this, she's one of the rising stars of West Australian racing and Australian racing, to be fair, and, um, yeah, it's a, it's, uh, it's a real shame for Connections because um, she's got all the talent in the world, this filly. Yeah, no, she's an excitement machine, obviously, and it's, um, yeah, it's flattening. That uh, Is it just me or does it seem to, do injuries seem to occur more often to the real good ones? Mm-hmm. It, might, it might just be we notice them more. Like if a, a moderate horse got injured from another stable, it probably wouldn't be a blip on our radar, but we obviously talk about clairvoyance, hear about clairvoyance, we're excited to see clairvoyance's progr- uh, yeah. progression. But um, Well, we just lost, yeah, Ar- no. just lost Arcadia Queen a couple of weeks ago as well. Yeah, so. exactly, exactly. But, I mean, we're often, 
uh, the, yeah, I mean, even my little stable of horses, I think two, I got two that are no longer running and that was in, that was sort of in the last six months. So then I sort of think, well, hang on, we don't hear about those publicly. So maybe it's just the fact that we talk about those ones more, but no, flattening and it hasn't done much for this race, BJ, um, either. Yeah, uh, even, even, even with clairvoyance not being in the field, it hasn't, uh, hasn't propped up the entries, so... No, it certainly hasn't. Uh, I think the bottom three, Worth Arista for Queen and Sweet Angeline, are all uh, are all facing a pretty uh, uphill battle to to run a hole. You suspect? Um, I think Worth Arista might be a horse with a fair bit of ability, actually, mm. BJ. I think I think the Pierces might have figured um, might have figured her out now, in regards to the fact that they are spacing her runs. Um, she was off forty uh, odd days at York. I only beat Stella Ann, but I mean, I guess Temptation was back in third, but that mm. was a different. Different version of temptation, I think that day. But um, look, she's one that could um, could improve. And yeah, I think Joey has a party got away with a bit in front on that occasion as well. But yeah, she certainly did. But I mean, the one that, that could improve out outside of those three is her. But uh, was she scratched during the week? Yeah, she was. Uh, yeah, she yeah, moved, big big money mover, and yep. then. Um, and then was uh, and then was withdrawn. Uh, understandable, I guess, but she would cop a fair penalty here. But I'm guessing with her space run, she might not be the soundest of mare. So they might think, well, hang on, if we have a chance of whipping a feature race, and we might or may as well try and um, have a crack while we can. But no, it should be between the other three. Tycoon Storm gets weight on Watch Me Dance. Probably lands in the one-one. Cryptic Love will probably have to sprint off a moderate speed from last, which can be very difficult, as we saw for She's a Charmer and. Um, uh, yesterday, uh, who I thought still went pretty good on return, despite running near last in a six-horse field. Yeah. Uh, actually thought went okay. Um, but, yeah, look, it's got to be Tycoon Storm. I've, I've marked her 220. She's two bucks currently. So I'm not going to be playing. I don't think she gets any bigger than that either. I reckon she probably trades about a dollar ninety. But, um, look, she gets a weight swing on a horse she beats last start and draws inside of her. So Gets a map just, too, doesn't she? Yeah. Yeah, yeah. to me, it's just it's the only horse she can be on. But I'm not going to be taking a dollar ninety-five in a. Uh, in a six-horse field about um, uh, even drawn in five. I mean, you, you could say Watch Me Dance has the back of Tycoon Storm this time. Perhaps Watch Me Dance can improve a, off, off a softer run with McGrady going back on. So, look, I'm, yeah, look, should be winning. But again, $1.95, it's, it just doesn't overly excite me. No, I mean, the thing with Cryptic Love too is she has got a let down with 58 too. So yeah. um, when she's won the when, – when she let down so strongly in the – Cyril Flower, she had 54, 54 in the Pinjar Classic. Went well over 1,400 metres in the Bunbury Stakes with 55 and a half. But sometimes those horses with those booming finishes, when they start creeping up in the weights, it really does blunt their, their effectiveness. But she is the older mare with the score on the board and she could win. However, geez, it does look so set up for Tycoon Storm. When I was doing this race last night, I was trying to I was trying to do a uh, Roy Rogers and uh, and place watch me dance into a <laughs> into a winning position for or, or a, a mapper to advantage and um somehow find a way to get tycoon storm but it's either watch me dance has to go behind tycoon storm and follow her every move and then let down stronger than her with two and a half kilos less which is going to be a challenge or she rolls forward breezes potentially and and then gets um then she, they Tycoon Storm gets last crack at her, which is exactly what happened when they met at April, um, at Ascot on April 3. So 
Watch Me Dance is going quite well. She just hasn't had anything on her terms this preparation thus far. She drew wide over 1,200 metres with 59.5 first up, had to roll forward and sit in the breeze and got left a sitting duck for Tycoon Storm who uh, was rails in run leaders back on a um, on a day that definitely suited horses close to the fence and she Tycoon Storm burst through underneath Watch Me Dance and and was uh, was too good on the day and then then I thought uh, Watch Me Dance just um, just got run off her feet chasing clairvoyance in that very fast Marjorie Charleston over twelve hundred but also was on the was on the quick back up fourteen back to twelve this is more suitable twelve up to fourteen with with two weeks it's just that gate six outside of Tycoon Storm if it was the reverse. Uh, with Watch Me Dance five and Tycoon Storm six, I would be I'll be pretty confident of a Watch Me Dance victory. But it just just the way that I was sort of um, jigsawing this race into place, I just I just couldn't find a way that if Tycoon Storm performs to her optimum and Watch Me Dance performs up to up to her optimum, um, how Watch Me Dance is going to turn the tables. So I can see exactly why Tycoon Storm is, has rolled into odds on now this morning. Um, but uh, it does look a two-horse race, Tycoon Storm, Watch Me Dance. If um, Yeah, so it's going to be interesting to see if Watch Me Dance can elevate at this stage of her preparation and whether she can she can turn the tables. But I can uh, I can see why the money is coming for Tycoon Storm and I locked her in on top. She ticks all the boxes, certainly. What price you ever? I was a flat even money actually. So yeah, yeah. I didn't really price yeah. price the other three, so I was able yeah. to <laughs> I was able to crib a little bit there. But um, but yeah, I was sort of two dollars, two dollars. Tycoon Storm three twenty. Watch me dance. Yeah, no, I think uh, I think even money will be about as high as um, she shops. Looks very good placement for Lindsay Smith. Okay, BJ, it is now time for the Mundaring Hotels WA Racing Mastermind Competition. Thanks, Terry. That is correct. The Mundaring has been the heart of the hills since 1899, located in Jacoby Street, Mundaring. If you get a chance, drop in. Catch up with the publican, Ian Butchie O'Connor, a great racing man, and, uh, yeah, let him know you're a 1-1 listener, and I'm sure he'll, he and his squad up there at the Mundaring will take the best of care of uh, with you. So congratulations to Episode 72, WA Racing Mastermind winner, the Professor. He's done it again. Professor Mike Eppis is, uh, has another had another 1-1 fill-up. He's won Get Out Stakes. He's won the Mastermind in the past. Good supporter of our podcast over the journey and that $100 gift voucher to the Mundaring is in the mail, Mike, as well as a, a couple of uh, 1-1 hats as well. So well done, Professor. We always appreciate you uh, chiming in and uh, supporting the show and supporting our competition. So thoroughly deserved uh, win in the WA Racing Mastermind competition. So to be crowned this week's Mastermind, you will need to answer the following three questions correctly. Question number one, who rode King Blitz to victory in last year's Diggers' Cup? Question two, this is going to be uh, a bit of fun. What, okay, so what did Tab Touch's own Brad McManus price King Blitz in the opening fixed odds market for last year's Diggers' Cup? Now, Keep, keeping in mind she jumped about four bucks, I think. Yeah. So, if you want a clue, follow Brad McManus on Twitter. That's at Brad McManus WA, which we'll put in our show notes and, and on Twitter. 
um, and you can uh, you can it won't take you long before you can uh, get a clue to the answer for question number two. What price did King Blitz open last year's Diggers Cup, courtesy of Brad McManus? Question number three: Name the Pierce Brothers mayor. The Pierce Brothers prepared mayor who won last year's Sheila Gwynn Stakes. That was quite a quite an outstanding addition of the Sheila Gwynn, to be honest. So um, she was an outstanding race mayor. Last year's Sheila Gwynn winner. Terry? I reckon, right. I reckon you've gone three from three comfortably. Well, I think you've – can you say that? Yeah, perfect. Got it. Yeah. yeah tick tick tick. It was a gift this week. That was uh, that was uh, that was a gift. So yeah, yeah if, if you want to be in the running to win that one hundred dollar gift voucher to the Mundaring, send your answers in via direct message to at the one one pod on Twitter, and uh, yeah, get up there, heart of the hills, since eighteen ninety nine. Okay, BJ, now we attack a race with a little bit more depth uh, and a little bit more venom here. Um, we, need to, is, we need to up the ante, don't we? Get a bit of uh, Well, we can't. There's not much. There isn't a great deal we can do. So we've had a six-source field where three of them can't really, are just completely out of the depth, you'd suspect. We've got a very poor maiden. Horrible, we've got a race horrible where Blackwater, Blackwater Bay's first up for six weeks. Well, hasn't had a trial for six weeks. There's 1,800 metres. I mean, it's the best horse. What can you do? And then we've got... Uh, the third, which is the two-year-old race where the, the two favourites stand out. So it's, it hasn't been a card that's got that's had any meat in it uh, thus far. We've had to try and manufacture some enthusiasm, but it hasn't happened mm, thus far, has no, it, No, I've, I've, I've been battling for it. Definitely been battling for it. But, look, this is a race where, I must admit, again, there isn't really a major uh, investment here at the prices, but it, it's a good race to discuss and one yeah. um, I'm looking forward to discussing with you, BJ. Mm. Uh, and that is the Morley Growers Market Handicap over the 1,400 metres. Captain Chaos is your short price favourite, around about that $2.50, $2.60 mark across, uh, across the agencies at the moment. Understandable. Uh, has sat leaders back uh, when defeating Holy Ghost. Went out to, to last, last start 14 days ago. We're getting past How's the Serenity. Uh, he looks like a bloke who can sort of um, settle at either end of the field and get the job done. The only thing I'll say about this bloke is that Chris Parnham has given him 10 out of 10, 10 out of 10, 10 out of 10. Peach, peach, of, peach. Uh, they've been just three absolute peaches, but he still won well. There is no there is no hiding back. The handicap is now catching up with a little bit. There has to be a race where he gets held up at a key moment for um, – well, the, the, he, bad luck will catch up with you mm. at some point as a racehorse. Look, for me, the 240-250 is just a little bit thin here. Really? Um, just a little bit thin, just mm. a little bit thin. Um, look, I, I've still marked him a slight, slight, slight favourite. Um, but, I mean, from a map point of view, BJ, first of all, have you got have you got Fanta working through from the inside gate to lead? Do you think Divine Pair will um, be really aggressive from four to try and go forward? Um, how, how have you got the speed map um, speed map looking? She's gone to you, could be ridden aggressively yeah. with Tash Faithful in the saddle. Basically, yeah, what you said, I've got she's gone to you, Divine Pair, Fanta, those three trying to uh, position up on top of the speed. Uh, I had she's gone to you leading. Wouldn't be surprised if Fanta led. Um, and Captain Chaos just landing uh, in the one-one. Yeah, yeah. This is. I'll actually give you this one-one rather than uh, whinge and complain. Not that I should ever whinge and complain because I don't think you've missed a one-one in the uh, seventy-three episodes we've been doing this. I think you're about forty for forty. So it's um, yeah, you're a, a genuine cartographer, BJ. <laughs> but um, look, my, my one, is, I think my one-one slotted in last week too. 
That's what I mean. You don't, you don't miss. Riverboat. You don't miss. Riverboat. Yeah, you don't yeah. miss. You yeah. just you simply don't miss. I saw so. there was a guy on on Twitter actually who who took up the challenge to try to map the one one in that uh, in that particular race, and he had um, what was Simon Miller's what's plutocracy in the one one, and I just said I wouldn't have thought, and then uh, Riverboat just slotted in as predicted. So, well, well, Crip and I discussed it on the Wild West. Crip had money matters in the one one, and I had uh, obviously I had um, Highland Beat, and when they stood in the gates for seven <laughs> seven minutes, Highland Beats decided to jump last. So I just just threw the toys out. They actually sat up over the final two under, and he still ran the seven quickest last two. So I think that was I think we were onto something there. It was just uh, execution. Yeah, just, um, well, well, we'll get to stand the gates of six, seven minutes. So definitely wasn't, uh, some horses deal with that better than others, but, correct, um, correct. any, any way, um, yeah, I think this looks a race in, I'm going to stretch it out to a race in three BJ. Okay. Um, I think Stella Vista is the horse from a weighted point of view is the weighted winner. Um, was a huge run behind Billy Ain't Silly, who's made that form look good. Uh, was then obviously a moral beaten midweek. Uh, when I say a moral beat, and you have to probably expect that for a horse that's going to be back to last, is you're always going to be a big chance of being a moral beaten because you're going to have to, you need the right run, et cetera, et cetera. But W Pike goes on here. Uh, I, I just think if if he gets the right cart in the race, he's close enough to Captain Chaos that he can run a a, um, a substantially faster last two hundred with the, four, with the you, four kilos. Yeah, yeah, exactly right. Yeah. So sometimes you just got to back the wizard in. And and my, my gut feel is this is the race that uh, Pikey, with the form he's currently in, uh, can navigate a path to get over. Uh, Captain Chaos, um, but the one runner I really quickly want to touch on, and I, I think he's he's poorly in because he's picked up the points in Class Ones and a Class Five. Is is Fiery Bay? Um, he's, he's the form lines around Safety Bay, Zachary Bay. Don't read anything like what he's going to face here, and I, I can't have him from a weight point of view. But um, his last two wins, they've been nothing short of just arrogant. That win against Safety Bay, like it's almost like Hawley's tried to pull. He's only won by point two of a length, and Hawley's tried to pull him up on the line to try and um, to try and hide him or something. It's sometimes you can't justify a win with numbers or, or what they've beaten, but it's the arrogance in which they do something and the ease and the, the improvement you can see in that run. And, and Fiery Bay really, really gives me that feel. Yeah, um, I like this horse. I have done for a while, As a racehorse. Yeah, yeah. Mm. But, uh, just, I mean, when you're talking Fiery Bay 57 and a half from six, who's probably going to get semi back, and then you're talking Stella Vista, who's probably only going to be a horse behind Fiery Bay with 54 and a half. I find it hard to come at Fiery Bay um, in, in this sort of setup. I would have liked to have seen Fiery Bay in like a graduation or something like that, I reckon. Like, um, yeah, I'm with you. I, I, sometimes these three, these open three-odds, they're just – they're so – the cream go to these races. They're so hard to I win. don't know. I don't understand why more um, three-year-olds aren't racing against the older horses. It's yeah. just they're gifts half the time yeah. and they, they start half the price and the prize money's there. So it, it really it really confuses me as to why they're racing against um, – uh, the open class three-year-olds who are sort of potential future top liners. I mean, mm-hmm. you're talking about, we haven't even mentioned a horse like Bragwell and Fanta who, um, you know, they've, they've run huge races in, in, in listed races and have been stiff in listed races. Calaroos won a listed race. So. Yeah, exactly right. So um, no, no cracking horse race, but um, I my gut tells me that Pikey with the, the four kilos on Captain Chaos um, can navigate a path. And I think if we can shop around five bucks, I think that's enough to have something on Stella Vista. Mm. Fair enough. Yeah, that's that's more of a gut thing. That, from a speed map point of view, from this and that, you go Captain Chaos one one gets a head start oh, it looks, on Stella Vista. It looks, it looks flashes late, holds on. Yeah. Um, but I just think two dollars fifty versus the near five bucks. I, I think I think we can have a bet on Stella Vista at five bucks. I think she's a better than a five dollar chance if that makes sense, PJ. Fair enough. Yeah, I uh, I fully went into that 
last start of Stella Vista wanting to back Smile for Me. <laughs> and mm. I had something on Smile for Me. And then when Stella Vista started to get out of touch on the Betfair exchange, betfair.com.au, I thought, oh, that looks a little bit um, more like it. And uh, fell into the shorts, Stella Vista, and only chopped out on the race with Smile for Me, holding on uh, with a lunging Stella Vista. And yeah, you're right, absolute moral beaten. And. Um, to do what she did at her third start in a race to overcome the challenges that got thrown her way in that particular race, to not turn it up and to keep coming and only go down a neck to a horse, um, giving a horse weight who was leaders back and never went around a horse. I think the leader rolled off and Bo on Smile for Me darted through. Like That was just such a huge run. Um, Simon Miller's got himself a pretty talented filly. I was just trying to work out how close – Stella Vista needed to be to Captain Chaos to um, be able to be stronger than him over over the, at um, late in the race. Four kilo swing, Captain Chaos stretching out to fourteen hundred meters. Uh, it's just been so dynamic at twelve hundred at his first three runs back uh, for Mo- uh, for Michael Grantham. That win, I mapped him last second last in that three odd race last uh, last start and. I just thought that, that might be his downfall if you have to go if he has to go around them. Spoke about this on last week's podcast. Chris Parnham just sort of cut through the field. It was just a beautiful ride, and but the course the horse still had to run the fastest last four and two of the day to win, and he did that, and he did that comfortably. It was easily the best closing split of the day, and um, that was exciting to see what he was able to do on that occasion when ridden really cold by Chris Parnham from gate two comes out going to map soft uh, is going to get a good look at them it'll be interesting to see whether something comes around the three wide line to try and flush him and um, if, if Captain Chaos is the first horse to go to lead up that three wide line that um, that means he's going to have to use him up a touch more than than um, than what he did last start does that expose him up to the 1400 meters with 58.5 very tactics is going to be interesting in this in this three-old contest they're not going to allow um, Captain Chaos just to sit 1-1, one, one, peel and go bang because if, if they did, they might as well not even not even show up because it'll be game over. So tactics will be fascinating in this race. Chris Parnham, top jock, he knows what he's got underneath him and he'll be looking to to utilise that, uh, that big engine. I couldn't not tip Captain Chaos just from the map and just that stellar view being the the main danger is just going to be basically last. But um, but I can see exactly where Terry is coming from. Captain Chaos is actually a touch of value for me. I already, I marked him pretty short. I was two twenty five. Um, just just thought he was uh, he was um, from map form. Um, jockey, everything ticks all the boxes, and I had Stella Vista second favorite at five fifty. So they were the only two that can really win for mine. Um, again, it's uh, it's going to be tactics are going to be of a premium, and you've got Pike versus Parnham, and this is what the punters tune in and go to the races to see, to see these two champion jockeys going at it. So. <clears throat> I imagine they're going to come together at some stage in the straight, settle down to fight it out. I just think with the with the map and the way that that horse is racing and his acceleration, uh, I think Captain Chaos is going to be able just to hold on and scramble in from Stella Vista. Very good. Moving on to race six, the Vale Russell Woods handicap, 1,000-metre graduation handicap. Now, uh, we had a scratching when we were doing the form last night. That was number one, Silken Eyes. 
came out, which is a bit of a shame. It would have added a bit to this particular race. Mm. Um, and at the moment, we have a $2.60 favourite. Simon A. Miller, Patrick Carberry, pans down, three-year-old coming off a dominant first up Bunbury victory. There's a, there's a bit of form in this race to sift through. However, this horse, uh, this is one of those three-year-olds in a graduation, which we were talking about in the previous race, Terry, and it does look set up nicely for a pans-down victory. But I suppose, as you always remind me, it's all about price. Where are we at with this particular race? Uh, well, first of all, I think it's really good placement for Dark Mission before he goes, um, before she goes on sale. Um, <laughs> did uh, did mention that last time. It's odd, 1,400 back to 1,000. This this looks like a real, um, yeah, it just looks like they're uh, preparing her um, for a different stable. But um, look, this race has a plethora of speed. Shock results been scratched from Narogen today um, and it should be able to hold the top. For me, the moment it holds the top, that probably takes drink what you like out. I think yep, yep. drink what you like can only win a horse race or this horse race if able to find the top. I agree. Um, King's Authority is racing super, but Blackdar is a really important claim for the horse. With the 59 in this type of grade, I think things are difficult. City Circle Park's on them and it's going super and there's no reason. They can't win again, but um, yeah, I think the two class runners in this who both mapped probably in between for third and sixth are um, pans down and and comes a time, BJ. Um, my, my reservations with pans down, and when I say reservations, I've – Oh, no, I've marked him four bucks. There's actually he's far shorter than I've marked mm. him. But um, my reservation is the 1116 back down to the thousand. Um, we saw him run off his legs over a thousand once last campaign. Um, first up, it was a, a really good win. Um, but it was, it, was a, Watson, it, was a, it was a gift. It was a 10 out of 10 mm. against on the on what ended up being the best part of the track by five lengths. Um, oh, Holly Watson, watch her rides that day. It was one of the – she rode extremely well, especially the last winner, BJ. Um, but you'll find um, that I think that victory was embellished a little bit by the conditions of that event and, and, uh, and what he's beat. So um, he actually – recording that win, he actually doesn't um, – he doesn't actually go down in weight at all with uh, with Holly being replaced by Patrick Carvery. So just some minor reservations for me in that sense. Um, was hoping comes a time because of that went up a little bit better price. Um, if you're watching comes a time's two trials, you'll notice that she, he, sorry, trialed with the blinkers on on the 22nd of March and on the 6th of April, um, the blinkers came off, which I thought was quite odd. Mm. Um there was nothing wrong with the 6th of April trial, uh, especially looking at the fact that Cremantula came out and won and it was in a really good time. But um, you can probably expect improvement on that trial. So, um, look, at, at the 1,000 metres, I'm leaning towards comes a time. But I, I basically marked them alongside each other and they're both um, under the prices that I want. So, difficult to have uh, a bet for me here, BJ. But I get the feeling you might be pretty keen on, um, on the Simon Miller trained gelding. Yeah, I'd marked Pans down 250. I just thought he's just uh, got to be class about him. Last preparation, he there was there's always been a bit of a spruik around, isn't there, for Pans down. He was beaten narrowly at Northern, then he was beaten less than a length when fifth in a blanket finish for the Ferretha, ran into guineas. and But also at the time, I don't think the Simon Miller yard was going uh, particularly well. So at the moment... They, it looks like that stable has got their ducks in a row, and their horses are going really, really well, performing up to their to their optimum. And um, do you ever think, like, um, this is a bit of a a bit of a digress, but do you ever think um, the period that the Simon Milliard wasn't going that well is also when Newhad was racing as well? So 
for anyone, uh, for all the one one I, pod I, faithful, I, I think about it. I think about it often. Yeah, I actually daily. I, well, <laughs> the improvement Luke got first up. Obviously, we failed horribly at our second run, but the improvement Luke got yeah. out of her first up. Um, that is something to to monitor and um, feel good about. But um, there's a lot of horses during that period that are going sort of three, four lengths better um, now than they were then. And Simon openly admits that, um, uh, yeah, he just, his stable was battling a few different things for different reasons. But, um, yeah, that is something I didn't actually factor in, BJ. So very good point. Yeah, so he 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 trialed up nicely in the uh, behind stable mate time scale on May uh, March twenty nine rather, and then took that form to to Bunbury with that with that dominant uh, special conditions three year old win. Got lots of favours on the day, as Terry said. But what I liked is the the time. The time was there from a uh, closing speed point of view, very very um, zippy on the day. Uh, Heads to Ascot, second up. The, the the speed in this race suggests that Paddy Carberry can can land midfield and be stalking that first four or five in running. Uh, pans down, I don't necessarily think is. I think he's a, a good good chaser as well. So angling out, uninterrupted run, angling out into space. I think Pans down can let down just that closing speed he showed at Bunbury. He can let down over the top of him. I marked him 250. He's about that. I think there's a bit of 260, 270 floating around at the moment. So not a lot of value. Actually, the horse that came up over my odds a touch was City Circle. In form, race fit, gate one, Chris Parnham. In, yeah, career best at the moment for City Circle. He's going to get all the favours. Um, hard to knock her. I marked her $5 equal favourite with comes a time. So at the moment, City Circle, $7 comes a time, $4. Equal second favourite. Equal second favourite. What did yeah. I say? Equal favourite. Oh, apologies. Yeah, yeah. equal second favourite. Favourite was pans down 250 So yeah. um, from a value point of view, it's currently it's City Circle. But for me, I think pans down is a three-year-old on the rise, might just be a bit too good for these from a class point of view. Yeah, it'd be interesting from a betting point of view here is I expect pans down uh, and a lot of, like a lot of those three-year-olds to be pretty well um, pretty well supported. So I'll probably be looking for pans down to be over-supported on Betfair and we may see a, um, you know, you may see uh, six bucks comes a time or I might see my 11 bucks city circle or something. Mm. So for me, uh, and like most of the card, it's it's a race. Um, it's a card where I've, I've had very little early bets. Brad was on his best behavior, unfortunately, this morning. So no um, McManus moments? No, no, he didn't go up. Um, what was it? He didn't go up... Uh, $16 trap for fools or Maricino and then in the diggers cup this year, which yeah. would have been nice. Um, but yeah, I think it's, I think it's a really good day to, uh, to monitor and to bet late. And we're seeing, we're seeing the track play really uh, after you can really, after a few races determine that it's playing in a certain way and it allows you to bet into it. Like yesterday, that inside pad for the last few was clearly off. Um, that's why we saw, um, yeah, quick sound. That's why we saw yeah. horse uh, drifts for horses like McCanto, who looked probably your best of the day pre-meeting. Giancarna drifted too, didn't it? Giancarna, Giancarna yeah. couldn't walk though. Yeah. Um, yeah, Gene Carner was going on straight. You don't know how much to do with that was the horse or... Yeah, no, um, it was uh, too bad to be true, Gene Carner, yeah. Yeah, exactly right. So, um, yeah, good good day uh, in that what sense. A, what a, that. We forgot to mention uh, mm-hmm. Michelle Marbell, one of Pikey's four winners yesterday. Mm-hmm. Um, it was uh, good to see Danny Miller 
dashing down back on course yesterday. The um, Michelle Marbell trained by his wife, Wendy, and obviously uh, owned uh, by the family, a real family operation. But dashing down, one of the legends of WA Racing was on course and he got in the, the post-race winner's photo as well and a great moment for for the, for the Miller family with Michelle Marbell and William Pike saluting the judge midweek yesterday. Yeah, he's, uh, I was saying to you before we jumped on, he's, I think in the last fortnight midweek races, he's, um, I think he's ridden four or five winners sitting three deep the trip so uh it's, yeah it's really yeah. About just, sometimes it's really just about assessing conditions isn't it and he, he's doing that tremendously at the moment so you wouldn't you wouldn't associate pikey um with riding too many winners leading or uh or sitting deep no no cover the trip and um yeah he's just he's a getting the best out of him horses are running for him with very soft hands and he's um yeah he's assessing conditions extremely well yeah i think he must have been Hanging around Craig Williams and the uh, expert track watch uh, walkers over there in uh, in Victoria because he's um, he's finding himself at the right place at the right time at the moment. Even at Caulfield last last Saturday, and he believes like he pulled their pants down at uh, the best some of the best riders in the nation. He pulled their pants down at Caulfield consistently last Saturday, and and you know he's obviously at the height of his powers and um yeah he's uh they don't call him the wizard for nothing so um yeah looking forward to seeing what he can do in his queensland and south australian adventures moving forward race seven is the amelia park handicap it's a it's a rating 72 but they've had to scale it up so it's a 70 plus um yeah over the over the 1400 meters and no doubt after uh after last start um, Terry will no doubt be declaring position of power as a moral, mm, surely. No, no, not quite, not quite. It was huge though. Um, as a pheasant, as a pheasant. Yeah, yeah, as a pheasant. Yeah, we haven't used that yet, have we? <laughs> I don't think I've suggested a bet yet. We're up to race seven. But uh, the good news is I do like three in the last three, so um, we might be able to uh, come home strong. Um, Just getting warmed up. Mm, position of power. No, I thought position of power was huge, obviously. Uh, deep the trip. Look, got on the turn as well, didn't he? Um yeah, he so, just sort of got shunted. Something came out underneath him, and it was like, "Oh, hang on, he's in a bit of strife here." Uh, but, um, but Jesus uh, just kept boxing on. That was one of the runs of the day. Really. Yeah, certainly. Well, especially considering the fact Downforce was on his back. Um, yep. If Downforce has got a, obviously a nice turn of foot, so you would have expected Downforce to be able to get past him. But um, no, I think it, it looks potentially another little sticky map position of power from seven. Mm, yeah. um, I, I'm going to wait for. I'm going to probably wait for a Paul Harvey or, or a stronger jockey to go back on to really extract the best out of him because he did, while something shunted him out, he did drop the bit for a, a stride or two there. And I, do I think remember, it was uh, um, Bruce Almighty who it came was, out. Yeah. Under, yeah, yeah. So I, I do think he'd be better suited to a um, to a stronger a stronger hoop or if it is going to be a um, an apprentice on board. One that perhaps, can um, – Perhaps uh, perhaps Belmont too, not far away. Def- definitely. Yeah. Definitely Belmont, definitely a wet track. Yeah. Um, obviously, his last win was over Dig Deep um, in the slop. Um, but no, at, at the seven bucks, I think position of power is well and truly under the odds here. I think at the seven bucks, Bruce Almighty is probably the biggest unders of the day from Barrier 11. Um, probably don't, can't really associate Bruce Almighty as being a horse who can win from a, a sticky gate, especially in arguably one of the hardest races he's faced his campaign as well. So I think looking at those two being those prices and, and most importantly, not to miss BJ is $4.20. Um, look from barrier 10 with 60 kilos. Yeah. He's, he's going well, but 
he's going well every start and he just he 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 puts in his same run sort of every every single start and I don't yep. I don't know if his best um, and everything going his way, um, well, he could win it if, if everything going his way, but so much has to go right. And I, I can't, I've can't really make not to miss $15. So mm-hmm. the $4.20 um, for not to miss the seven bucks, Bruce Almighty. Those two, especially, they're taking up a good chunk of the market. They've allowed us to have a bet elsewhere. Um, I'm going to look around Creator. Uh, it's no huge knock on Creator. I, I just query that Bruce Almighty and position of power form, considering Bruce Almighty had to take a sit. Um, three pairs back and the position of power was deep the trip. I don't know how strong that race was and creator could, was given an absolute 10 out of 10 by CJP. So, um, so I'm willing just to look around creator and the obvious one for me is, uh, is cocky joy here, which I think you're keen on um, to BJ mm-hmm. um, three starts back should have beaten. Um, and there's no real doubts about this should have beaten tycoon storm um, who just going to go around a very short price favorite in the feature earlier in the day uh, came around, went around, from the widest gate in a 66 plus um, at her next start, uh, which was never in the race. I thought the run was still really good behind Maginica. Um, just shuffled out the back and it was just a complete forget run. Uh, they dropped her back to the 1200 metres of the Marjorie Charleston last start. She got chopped out at the top of the bend after again being back near last behind Claire Voyance. And um, I thought if you just watched the last 150, 150 metres, she hit the line identically to Platinum Bullet. And I think over 1,200, if you're hitting the line the same as Platinum Bullet, um, you're going super. Um, yeah, after uh, Platinum Bullet, who had an uninterrupted passage. Exactly right. Co- she stopped in the tracks. checkered passage. So, yeah, yeah it, was, Abs- uh, it, was a, it was some run. Yeah, Absolutely stopped in her tracks. So, um, <clears throat> yeah, I, I thought that was, uh, that was clearly one of the runs of the day as well. Um, the danger for Cocky Joy is she, she isn't necessarily jumping all that well, so you're going to need some luck from three back defence, I'd say. Um, I, thought, I thought Joey on might be able to. Um, I think he'll dig. Yeah, dig. Yeah, yeah. No, yeah I think yeah. he'll definitely dig. So you could get, you could end up leaders back. Um, but yep. she also looks a horse that, um, as we've seen with Lucy riding her, um, that looks to enjoy being able to find her feet in the run. So I wouldn't want to say I wouldn't want to say her dug up um, and and get out of her comfort zone because I don't think she'll have the same finishing burst. It's a double edged um, sword, isn't it? Yeah, it certainly yep. is. So yep. I think you've got to almost just let her be three back the fence unless she can easily get the one one if she fluently gets there, um, and then just hope you, can, hope you can get some. Um, some luck in the straight. Um, but the horses come up big value for me as well. I've marked Cocky Joy 320 BJ. So the five bucks, um, that's a great price. And that's a, a fairly, uh, that'd be probably my most substantial investment for the day. Um, but there's another runner that's come up a, um, a really big price for me. And that's surprisingly, that's War God. Um, so what I've done in the last, uh, what I did midweek as well, I'm looking at horses that, um, looking at, I always look at like looking for runners that lack does replacing uh, certain seniors, because I feel the way Lactar's riding, he's riding better than most seniors, and you're obviously getting a little bit of a claim. But um, look, War God took 10 starts to win last prep. So the fact that I think he's seventh up here um, is no real concern for me. He's actually at his lowest rating of his entire career. Uh, I think the reason most people will probably go straight past him is A, he probably only wins one per campaign, but um, this could very well be the one. But his last start, they dropped him back to the... Uh, 1,200 metres. Jade sort of gave him a dig early, but then was really content sitting 3-4 back the fence against Miss mm. Kentucky over the 1,200. It just it was just completely wrong setup for um, for War God. So on the seven-day backup here, it's not a horse we associate with seven-day backups very often. I think this might have been the race they're looking at for War God in that sense because um, there was very little 
interest show and last starter that you can say. The prior run against Tycoon Storm, only beaten 1.9 lengths. Um, it was Watch Me Dance in second and not to be missed in third. Meets not, meets not to be missed, three kilos better for that run, as well as having significant barrier position plus the addition of Lakdara Moli, which, as I said, I think is a fairly um, – Handy plus at the moment. I mean, we saw the improvement from Captain Burgley yesterday and um, and Piccola Signora was obviously a big win with, with Lackdar yeah. going on uh, for one of the seniors. So I just think from a speed map point of view, Ward God probably lands just behind the speed here, down to 56 kilos. Um, he's not a fashionable horse, but I've marked him $7.50. So uh, currently around 20 bucks. I'm very happy having a Dutch bet for for a similar result on, on War God and, uh, and Cocky Joy. Okay. Yeah, I didn't find War God, uh, but I don't think he's won 10 races. I don't think I've ever found him. So um, That makes two of us. <laughs> so listeners, don't, uh, don't, be, don't be scared off, but I don't think I've ever found him once. He's just one of those horses that's a bit of a mystery to me. But yeah, Kane Cocky Joy, that uh, Marjorie Charleston run was something else. I thought her run was superior to Cryptic Love and Platinum Bullet. Um, both those horses would, um, you know, Cryptic Love might be weighted out of this particular race, but they would, um, they would match up quite well in this particular in this in this event. Uh, Fifty-five kgs gets in almost bang on the seventy minimum from a ratings point of view. I, think, I like Joey Azapati going on after a, a stint with Lucy Warwick, especially from one. I like Terry. I wouldn't like to see her bustle too much to to hold the one one. If she can be three back. The fence in a rhythm, smoking the pipe. It's just going to be up to Joey as a party to find galloping room late to um, to be really hard to beat. Hard to not create up. Uh, I thought that was a, that was a pretty good win and a deserved win for a for a back in form Ganjimi brothers operation. He's going to be um, he's an obvious major player again. Uh, only goes up the kilo for that win. Probably maps similarly from um, maybe maybe a pair further back from the from the draw, but um, he's one horse that has performed consistently since arriving in Western Australia. No real ups and downs, so you can you can trust him, I believe, and he's going to give his supporters a run for the money. But yeah, I kept coming back to Cocky Joy. I think this is a really really nice race for her. Would be surprised not that I think he can win or even run a place, but. Uh, rock on Tommy's going to lead this, I reckon. The blink is yeah, on. Yeah, I, yep. well, it's one of the aspects I didn't actually mention in regards to um, in regards to War God. I think War God can jump and muster a little bit better than Rock on. I think Rock on might have War God's back, and I think Rock on will be gone pretty early. Mm. Um, so I thought that would be sort of a good roadblock heading for horses like not to be a misposition of power who might be a little bit further back. But um, I do think you'll definitely see Rock on Tommy ridden a lot more aggressively after drawing um, Barrier Eleven at his last two. Yeah, I don't. I don't know how fair income the the camp has been with Rock on Tommy from Wide Gates first two runs. I think they've been prep runs really. Low draw, blinkers on, uh, third up. I think they're going to have a crack on Saturday with Rock on Tommy and maybe go straight to the front. And, and what about Nelson? What about Nelson's fight? Yeah, he, he's his trial was good, wasn't it? Flirtini and and uh, Rock Magic were the two horses that beat him beat him home. Um, and he, and he held off Caracapo. Yeah, it's, it's just he, very hard to come at a horse first up 301 days at 1,400 metres, who's now an eight-year-old as well. But, I yeah. mean, his fresh runs last campaign were pretty good. Yeah, but he didn't go forward fresh last campaign. That was the, that was the thing that I noticed. But mm. he raced predominantly forward most of the time over the over the Belmont season and stretched Windstorm on one occasion. Mm-hmm. So his best is certainly good enough. He's, um, he's a bit of a... Uh, 
bit of an X factor horse in this race. But um, but yeah, all things being equal, a bit of a bit of luck in running for Cocky Joy, and I think this uh, Jimmy Grieve mare who just keeps stepping up to the plate. I think she's going to be really hard to beat. She's reinvented herself, hasn't she? She was really a thousand. Well, she couldn't even get the twelve hundred. That was the thing, yeah. and now she's yeah. um, now they've just reinvented her. Sit off speed, um, let her relax, and she's running out nice, strong fourteen, fifteen hundred. So it's um, yeah, he does a does a good job with his little team, um, Jimmy Grief. Oh, one other I wanted to touch on as well was Sophie's song. Uh, forget the last run, wet, wet yeah. track, wide yeah. track, just never in the race. Some of those runs you don't need to watch it and go oh, look how bad that went. It just just forget the Sophie song went around. Prior effort was pretty good behind. That's funny as prior it's at four deep. Uh, outside of Tycoon Storm, beating one length first up. So um, really good runs. And there's a big chance. See, she's another one that could uh, potentially lead the race, Sophie's song. But um, she also might be the horse giving Cocky Joy um, the card into it. And I think there's probably worse horses backs to be on than Sophie's song because I think she gives a bit of a kick here. So, um, yeah, I've marked her nine bucks at 11. She's slightly above my price. But um, I'll just be playing the other pair and um, hoping I can break my um, – my my 80 78 start duck with war god bj <laughs> good luck terry good luck all right race eight is the diggers cup the big one of the day it's a one hundred thousand dollar quality handicap over 1800 meters and just for those people trying to wrap their head around the weights for this particular race it is a quality handicap which means that um, no horse can carry more than 62 kilos so if winks was in this race she would have 62 kilos so it's a 78 and up a 78 plus handicap but um but uh capped at 62 kilos which is why you see come play with me a 107 raider and trap for fools at 107 raider um they have 62 while a 93 raider in arctic stream has 61.5 so that is just the uh the special conditions for this particular race it was the same last year and um and you see a few of them scattered through the wa racing calendar but if for those of you who were scratching your heads that is the reason why the weights are the way they are mm-hmm. very good explanation and obviously it brings trap for fools uh right into this from a waiting point of view it's um it's funny i went and did all the weight comparisons from their last meetings bj so i'll just quickly read them out so that's funny as um meets mckenzie brook three and a half worse cockney crew three worse from their last meeting um the big one is trap for fools meets media baron seven and a half better and six better and then from the um pinjara cup six better on its own uh you go back a little bit further maricino and that's funny as there's a four and a half kilo swing um to maricino on a day where their runs were almost identical if you remember that race uh back in February, yeah. Jason Whiting was on, got back wide and uh, it was a day you wanted to be uh, on pace and maricino was one of the runs of the day so um in a nutshell, Arctic Stream, Media Baron, and that's funny as are really uh, are really poorly in here in that sense. And I think straight away it gives me the feel that we've got to look around those three, BJ. Yeah, six and a half kilos. Um, so Traffic Fools and Come Play With Me should both have 68.5 in this mm-hmm. race. They get, 60, they get six and a half kilos off due to the conditions of the race. Yep. I think come play with me would probably need a little bit more off as well to be, uh, to be completely competitive as well. Very hard to come back last. The trials have been okay. Um, but the horses behind, um, come play with me and the trials haven't been, uh, haven't, well, in that last trial haven't been well beaters. So I, I'm definitely looking around, come play with me. Yeah, I, I think if, if he wins and that's just too good, Adam, you, yeah. you're, you're, you're a star, mate. You're just wait, Adam and Mitchell, you've. It's one of those. Yeah. 
It's one of those ones. If he does win, I, I think I'd cop it as well. Yeah, I, I don't want to be happy losing. I just say, um, yeah, well done. That's yeah. that's really good stuff. But I mean, look from a speed map point of view, the first question that probably needs to be asked is, does um, and I, I think it's a yes, but does Cockney Crew cross that's funny as BJ? I didn't think Cockney Crew would lead that's funny as the other day, so I was surprised that he led him uh, mm. over the mile. So I imagine that they're going to attack again, and and what. Dion Luciani and Brad Parnham can take out of that last start is that that's funny as doesn't have to lead to win. So yep. um, they they've got that they've got that uh, plan B in the back of their mind um, in case Cockney Crew Probably and Jay Whitnor want to go uh, want to go helter skelter. Yeah, they can pop out to the breeze or tag Cockney Crew for a bit and then yep. pop to the breeze when they feel right. But um, that probably leaves trap for fools because I've got that's funny as probably popping out to the breeze. Yep, I still think they'll want to ride that's funny as in the same manner and that's been without cover completely and pretty honestly run races. Um, so it should see Trap for Fools probably tuck in and getting a nice run behind the pair of them. Um, with, with the weight swings, I mean, on 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 the surface, it should just be the Trap for Fools benefit in that sense because you can sort of forget the last run on the wet track, I think, with Trap for Fools. I was pretty keen that day and um, I, I think I made a bit of a blue there because I don't think he's proven, especially with the big weight on a soft seven, which, I mean, talking to a few people could have been closer to a heavy eight. Um, yeah. Yeah. Apparently. So I think, I think I've made a bit of a blue there. He put a line through that run. Um, but the, the big query for me, BJ is traffic forces. I don't think, um, has ever won a race, uh, with cover. Uh, he's always been a, he's, it's a, he's a staunch, uh, get on pace, um, and just run him along and beat him in, in that type of manner. Um, he's run in the, um, he's run behind, uh, media baron in the grand in, in, in the old comrade sorry not mm. the grandstand that was deep um in the old comrade was super when taking a sit but you need to look at the fact that all the other runners they were they were held up or they weren't that crash hot or i mean misty lad knocked extremely a leader in the breeze it was a bit of a last uh last horse standing type job so um expect him to be there for a long way but um for me look i just think if maracino um can tag trap for fools uh, i think trap for fools is a better racehorse but i just think with with pike in the saddle if he can tag trap for fools with that seven kilo swing um back to the 1800 which i actually think is a positive for maracino i, I think i think maracino looks the one um for w pike bj yeah, I agree. Actually, I um, initially I was not in the Marachino camp for this particular race, and I um, I'm glad that I had another couple of looks at, at at the race and and the setup and the weights, and then it became pretty obvious that Marachino <laughs> Marachino was the horse to beat. He um, three starts ago ran second to Temptation, who went on to ran third in the Oaks and second in the WATC Derby, um, carried 59 and a half that day. And I think I mentioned it on previous podcasts, like he just got jammed up on in the on the fence that day and wasn't able to build any momentum. Uh, then he came to, stepped up to a 2,200 metres. It was quite a fast 2,200 metre race, uh, breezed for a fair portion of it and was too good for unreliable, um, outstayed unreliable on the day. Then he was too good for them, went heavily backed at Alb- in the Albany Cup. But I don't necessarily think he's a 2200, 2100-metre horse. I don't think that's his optimum. I really like the fact that he's got those two um, staying runs under his belt coming back to 1800 metres, in it, which which promises to be genuinely run. William Pike on board from a good draw with 55 kilos. He's just going to have 
He's going to have the three horses to beat in front of him. Pikey's going to be able to rate Marachino. He's going to be able to land him exactly where he wants to be. I feel as though he's going to get the run of the race, going to get the last crack at him. We're probably going to, have to, probably going to see how tough Marachino is on Saturday because this is going to be a genuine 1,800 metres. Cockney crew at his best. He's a tough bugger that we know how hard to beat. That's funny as is when he gets his nose in front and Chat for Fools is a, is a bulldog and is well-weighted. Well so... They're going to take Marachino deep. We're going to find out a bit more to see what what sort of horse this is on Saturday. But for me, everything looks set up for a Marachino victory. I'm I'm quite confident, as as you are, Terry. Yes, I'm definitely uh, with you, BJ. It's a question of price, though, as well with Marachino. Um, I as as of. Uh, told you a few times I do my markets before reviewing the data, but Marachino really isn't a strong um, data runner. And, and the last couple of, of runs uh, look a length or two off the top liners and probably sort of three or four lengths off Cockney Crew's best, uh, yeah. to be blatantly honest. So usually when the data doesn't align um, in that sense, you can often see a little bit of a wobble uh, in the price. Um, I've got Marachino three bucks. Um, I, was, is, I was four dollars actually. Yeah, okay, which is yeah. probably as short as I could get with Marachino. Mm-hmm. So, it might be worth uh, holding off. Uh, I'm expecting pretty big trap for fools money with those weight swings I just um, I just mentioned. So, the three dollars eighty, even though I'm happy with that price, um, we might see um, we might see slightly better on the day. Okay. Okay, BJ, it is now time. So what I'm doing with WA, I'm the get out stakes. <laughs> S or not WA, S T E A K S. Who is it brought to us by? Thanks, Terry. The extremely popular get out stakes is brought to you by Market City Meats, the largest retail butcher shop in Perth, located at the Canning Vale Markets on Bannister Road. Timmy Hewitt and his team. Uh, very good operators out there at the Canning Vale Markets. They run the show. Um, drop in, say hello, let them know. You listen, you tune in to the 1-1 one, one and uh, Timmy will uh, will look after you. Congratulations to episode 72 winner Mark Dicko Dixon. He was bang on the money with his 0.30 length Billy Ain't Silly prediction. Dicko races a few horses with um, quite a few yards, especially Steve Wolf. I think um, Dicko's actually got a share in Bragwell. And his wife-to-be, uh, Amy, she has a she's a shareholder in Watch Me Dance. So it could be a big uh, – well, it was a big weekend, obviously, claiming the get-out stakes last week for Dicko, but it could be an even bigger one this week, Terry, with uh, Bragwell and Watch Me Dance going around for the camp this Saturday at Ascot. But, yeah, the, the real story, though – Apologies to Dicko for his, uh, I think it's his second victory in the get-out stakes. The real story was uh, the runner-up, Terry. Yes. Uh, geez, he's uh, turning into a bit of a um, street bandit before his 38th start, isn't he? <laughs> bit of a uh, little little bit of a little bit of a bridesmaid, old mate, uh, Chrissy Nelson. He just, just can't jag it, can he? He cannot. So for context... He'd eat the 50 bucks in one sitting as well, looking at the pipes on him. D- Dicko Dixon, Mark Dicko Dixon, he was uh, he was 0.30, and that was the exact winning margin for Billy Ain't Silly. So our, our man Chris Nelson was 0.35 lengths. So he was 0.05 length off the exact margin he's got, he's got pipped. And uh, he believes that he's been – beaten in a conservative seven, eight, now nine photo finishes for the get-out stakes. Oh, there's a, there's a bit of gravy on that, isn't there? 
bit of mayo, but yeah, he's oh, um, dear he's he's uh, he's due, he's overdue, and uh, and um, you never know, could be could be your week this week, Chris Nelson. So keep mm. getting those entries in, and, and remember um, to get the two decimal places in, Terry. Very important that you get the two decimal places in when you lock your entry into the Get Out Stakes on Twitter. That's race nine at Ascot this Saturday. Who wins? Two decimal winning margins, and don't forget that all important Sam White rule. First in, best dressed. Correct. Now, BJ, it uh, it looks a um, an interesting end to the card. Um, Tin Snip will obviously be extremely popular, um, and Tin Snip just sort of maps your winner, and W Pike's your winner, and awaits your winner, Pike uh, in the last. Pike in the last. Pike in the last. Just ticks ticks all the boxes, and it's uh, he's clearly come up on top for me. Uh, the one query I wanted to ask you is, I thought CJP rode him a treat last start. Did you feel? Uh, I know he had the sixty-one. Um, I know I don't, I don't mind that he couldn't run down Billy Ain't Silly, but were you a little bit disappointed that um, Mini Winnie could get past him mm. with with the run he had? Do you feel like there was? I don't know. Do you feel like that he just peaked a, a touch or? There was a high pressure race. I didn't notice that the, this is the the track sort of trained off last towards the end of last Saturday. Those the size and the. The Billy Ain't Silly race were both fourteen hundred meter races. I think they ran one twenty four for both, which is odd on a um, fine day at Ascot. So he followed the rail throughout. I I, I don't necessarily know um, if that was the place to be. I thought Mini Winnie went exceptionally well, but perhaps it was just the high pressure race. Uh, Sixty bit of give in the in the track, and the sixty one kilos just took its toll on Tin Snip late, and it also maybe. CJP just had to use him up a little bit more than what he has been early just to hold that forward position. Fast fast early speed might have just taken a bit of fuel out of the tank, just exposed him a touch late. I don't expect the the tempo to be as um as hardcore in the in the get out on Saturday. And from two, Pikey's kind hands, Tin Snips just gonna land in the sweet spot and I'd be surprised if he gets rolled. Yeah, no, I, I do agree with that. Um, it was really hard to find. Well, I, I had no apology as, as a clear second elect. Yeah. I think no apologies yeah. racing super, um, but I, it was really hard to get anything close to Tin Snip in the market. I ended up I ended up with Tin Snip at two dollars sixty five. So the three dollars or so is still a, it's still a, it's still a bet there. Um, I was for I was, me, I was three dollars. So yeah. But, um, it's, yeah. That's as it's as long as you can really get him, isn't yeah. it? I mean, even though, as I said, I would have liked to see him hit the line just maybe a touch better. But you, you're spot on with the fact that the track did train off, um, and that inside pad was a slight query at that he point probably, in time. Also, Tinsip's probably ne- hasn't gone that fast early ever in his career. So, um, do they try? Are they going to try and be more conservative here? Though, is that a concern? Because this is a race that really lacks speed. Um, I, I I've got Gunner Go leading potentially here. Oh wow, BJ. Um, well, I look back at the trial uh, before his first up run and Jet Stanley, uh, who makes his debut actually on, on Sunday. I've heard a lot of good things about him. Where's Apparently Jet, where's Jet riding? Kalgoorlie? Uh, no, Binjara Scalpside. Oh, Scalpside, okay. Yeah, no, he's got a he's got a little book there. It looks like he's got some nice rides too. So interesting. I've heard good things about it. So he's son definitely of, uh, son of Brent Stanley, who uh, was a Caulfield Cup winning jockey back in the day and now a uh, prominent trainer in Victoria. Good trivia. Mm. That's good. Arctic, Arctic something. I'll remember it. 
That was his Caulfield okay. Cup winner. Can be a next next week's mastermind. Mm. Um, but I just struggled to find a leader here. Um, to me, it seems like the uh, the Wolf Camp wants to park my Greek boy where possible. Um, they don't seem overly keen to take up the lead because otherwise it would really make sense for my Greek boy to jump and run. And remember back in the day, my Greek boy used to try and run them off their legs. Um, and with the 55 in a race devoid of speed, I, I feel like if they're going to try and pinch one with the old fella, this might be the the way to do so is just I to agree. go forward and run them along. But I agree. But I don't know. To me, it looks like they want to park where possible, if that makes sense. Um, but um, that could have just been that he's running into races with um, with more speed, speed and yep. hasn't really had that opportunity. I guess. Um, well, he was, is, he was he was he was he led early and then was crossed by that's funny as in Cockney Crew last start. Yeah. So yeah, is there's, this? There's, um, no, there's neither of those is in this race, and there's nothing with that type of top end speed as well so no i think you no, exactly right. can hold the front without burning too much fuel but unless something like a gonna go or um maybe uh no apology even notorious no one apo- push roll forward i think from the better gate no apology they'll be happy just racing him like a normal racehorse midfield cover i think that normal racehorse i think that'll be their thought process with mm. no apology but yeah i mean he's gone forward and led on a slack tempo in the past and won a race um notorious one from barrier 12 if they i think they might just about say to brad there um if, if you jump well do we look at going forward because again he's he's led a race or breeze at least and won on a on a saturday at ascot so it, it's a map that i just found really really sticky to do but the one um the one constant was the fact that Tin Snit should be parked right over the speed uh, and right on the speed's hammer, no matter what that speed is. And, um, yeah, you'd, you'd expect from there with potentially one of the better horses in the race that Pikey should um, should be able to lift him over the line. Um, just a little mention to a horse um, that I brought up last week and, I, I'm never. I'm not going to catch him. I have no doubt. I'm not going to catch him. But there is no chance in the world that I won't be having something on small late. And that's Trump. This continually running last two hundred, last two hundred, last two hundred. If you go back to Trump, this is um, just last three runs. So five ago, uh, three starts back. Sorry, was five off him at the top of the turn. One by length. Beat home. Fangio. No apology. Horses in here that are far harder in the market. Um, two back was about ten off him on the turn. Lost by four. Last start was about nine off on the turn, lost by four. He's always going to make up five lengths, but what Trump this needs is a race where they're bunching on the bend or for whatever reason, you've got you've got weak leaders that are coming back. Yep. It just needs a race where um, he's close enough and hasn't had to do um, too much work. And now you'd say, well, this race probably doesn't look to suit because there looks to be less speed in here. But that could actually be beneficial for Trump. There's a horse that struggles to tack on at times. If when they slow down and when they slacken, Trump this and Jade can find that you definitely want a three-wide line coming around them and she can be close enough, it'll simply walk past them because it will run such a quicker um last final split than them. So I, I, I'm going to continue to follow Trump this BJ uh, throughout this campaign. And I'm sure it's going to be an extremely, extremely painful period <laughs> for me. Um, but I'm expecting it's 20 bucks at the moment. I'm expecting Trump. This will trade at 35 um, with his racing pattern. If, if the track's showing any signs of the middle being good or, or being uh, the better part of the going, which I doubt it will, uh, I'll probably, my, my confidence might increase a little bit, but um, I think Trump, this can, can run a little bit of a race here at a, uh, at a price. And if it's not this one, I'll probably be on the next start again. It is not a horse. I would back each way. You're uh, you just be, um, you just be dipping into some of your Amber Mamba winnings from yesterday, wouldn't you, Terry? Oh yeah, yeah. I wish. I wish. <laughs> I, was, I was telling you before. I was on. Uh, I was on first up because I actually backed uh, Amber Mamba last prep when winning fresh, yep. and uh, I was under the impression because um, if you go back to the prior 
prep, it was a very good trial fresh, like a trial that would have won most maidens. So I waited for his fresh run next campaign where they didn't trial him and he came out and won at about 30s. Yeah. Um, but yeah, I was on first up at the big prices but had nothing on yesterday. But I'm not dirty about that because I never even considered backing him. We can't, um, if you start backing a horse every single start, that's when you're going to do your ass. So um, yeah, no, not dirty about it. But good on him to Billy Spencer. Good yes, win. well done. Something for the battlers. So uh, yeah, tin step for me looks to tick all the boxes. If he gets beat tomorrow, then I'd uh, rather on Saturday it would um, I'd imagine it would be either bad luck or um, or maybe doesn't back up off the seven days. I agree with Terry. No apology stands out as the main danger. I must say though, I feel as though Eurasia is really well placed, sliding down to the minimum fifty four kilos. Found, him fa- found himself in front, which I'm not sure he's led before either Eurasia, <clears throat> and was just a bit of a sitting duck. Boxed on. Box on pretty well under the circumstances. Ryan Hill is riding Steve Wolf's horses really, really it's well. Just about at the to moment. say he's barely ridden a loser in the in the blue he's, colours he, in the last yeah, couple of weeks. He's inspired in the uh, in the mm. Wolf colours at the moment. So from four, he's, why is why he, is McGrady not on Eurasia? I thought that would have been the number uh, one seed here. The only thing I can think of is maybe Shawnee's still getting his weight back down after a break. Um, that okay. that might be. That he might not be riding fifty four on Saturday, his first first day okay. back from uh, just about a month off. So that's that might be, or I might have just made that up. But that's all I can all I can assume because I would have thought Eurasia was the better ride from mm, four. Eurasia is going to tuck in, going to get a really nice run. Just needs to begin well enough. Um, fifty four kilos for the first time this prep, I believe, and I think he can give this a shake as well. But for me, ten step on top uh, should be winning. No apology, the hardest to beat, and I reckon Eurasia is going to give it a nudge. Yep, no, I like that. Uh, Tin snip definitely for me. I'm, I'm happy playing at three dollars plus for a reasonable crack, and uh, I'll be having something on Trump this late. Bj, we might even talk about Trump this in the next segment. Okay. Okay, Bj Ryan, uh, what is your best betfair? Best betting proposition of the day. That's stuck pretty well, hasn't it? Best betting proposition since Cripper declared it yeah, with thanks, uh, Ka- Catherine Catherine Wheel on about episode number three or four of the uh, the podcast. So it's uh, it's stayed the stayed the journey. It certainly has. My betfair best betting proposition of the day. Tossing up between Pans Down and Captain Chaos. Just checked my markets and the. The uh, the best value either of those two is Captain Chaos. Race five, number two, out to make it four straight. I marked him pretty sure. I think I was like 220, 225, something like that. He's currently 260 best available. Going to get every opportunity for Chris Parnham. Captain Chaos is my Betfair best. Very good. Uh, my Betfair best is going to be a Dutch, actually, VJ. Um, I'm really quite keen on the race seven play. For my card, the only ones that have really come up good substantial overs are in race seven, um, and it is the pair of them. So Cocky, Joy, and War God at five bucks and 20s, you can Dutch them for a, a, a pretty good result. Uh, so I'll be making them um, uh, the same result either way. Cocky, Joy, War God, Dutch, race seven. Okay. It's because it's such a thin old card um, in a lot of races, very challenging coming up with a with a Maddie, which is uh, 20 to 1, $21 plus at time of recording. So we've had to uh, sift through. What have you got, Guru? Uh, Trump this in the last. I uh, I do believe that Trump this will win more races the way that um, the way he's finishing off races at the moment. It's 
It's it's quite incredible. I mean, even last start, I think he wasn't suited because they went seven lengths uh, quicker than bench. That was in that uh, Chrissy Gray and Reverend John race. So he's out the back, run off his legs up to the 1800 as well, which I don't think it was suitable. It still ran the quickest last two in a race shape, which didn't um, completely uh, suit. Being the last of the day, if the inside pad's worn a bit, if the leaders, because we did say there's questionable leaders, we're not sure who's going to be up on top. If they're folding and they're compacting on the band and if Jade's within five lengths of them and wide at the top of the straight, it will go past them. There's a lot of ifs and buts. That's why we'll probably shop at 30 bucks late. And that's why you do not back it each way. It either wins or it's, uh, it's another, uh, it's another flashing lights run. Okay. So I don't know if mine is mad or whether it's bonkers, but, um, same race, the get out race nine. I'm going to, uh, I'm going to pray for Riley dot Morgan here and lock in number 11 rogues point. I Ooh. think if you ignore that last start, that $46 best available at the moment is uh, is over, especially from gate one. JT Warwick, Lucy Warwick, uh, 54 kilos. Bit of a uh, Chrissy Nelson, this horse, bit of a nonny. However, um, <laughs> <laughs> that's good. Uh, however, uh, at the price, $46, that is, um, that is quite significant considering I think he was an $8, $8.50 chance in um, against some of these horses in graduation handicap company last start. So gate one, Warwick combination, Riley.Morgan, what more could you want? $46, my Maddie, Rogue's Point in the get-out stakes. That, that is a little bit rogue, BJ. Mm. Man, that is a bit rogue. And I, I reckon, like I reckon we might be uh, aligned with our um, Terry's take on our uh, lay oh. of the day. Yeah, I don't think we are. I've got a it's I've got a fairly lengthy record, I think, since the lay's got up. So I'm have you changed to, I, tact? Yeah, well I you're thinking I'm gonna go with race one cross swords, aren't you? Yeah, yeah. I'm I'm not. No, I, I still think cross swords has the ability to brain them. That's the thing. I'm worried about a steel casey move, money, et cetera, et cetera. Uh, not to be missed for me. It, it's not as exciting. It's mm. around four bucks, but I've marked not to be missed fifteen bucks. I've got cross swords three forty, so three forty to two twenty, fifteen to the four bucks. Um, that's just far, far, far. More over my price and uh, I'll be surprised if um not to be missed. Actually I'll I'll go not to be missed place. So dollar seventy, dollar eighty. Um, not to be missed to run a hole. Place lay. Uh, should be three dollars fifty to run a hole. I reckon. So I'm okay. um, very happy laying at the dollar seventy. Uh, my lay, my bet fair lay. Race one, number four, cross swords. It can win, but two dollars twenty, two dollars fifteen. Yeah. Um, with everything against Place. it, um, yeah, it can. Uh, I'm happy to to take on cross swords in the opening event of the card. Tell you what, that will be the training uh, effort of the year, just about. Even though it's a very poor and weak maiden to get a horse with so many, there's so many aspects as we touched on earlier. Um, up would be so if yeah, yeah, Cross Swords wins, Blackwater Bay wins, and Come Play with Me wins, and uh, there's a there's a fair bit going on on Diggers Cup Day. That's for sure. I'd say, I'd say it's been a tough day for punters. <laughs> Those three are, uh, lamenting. Uh, it's for, for, for us too, at least, it's been a tough day. So, yeah, yeah dearie me. Anyway, BJ, that brings us uh, to the end of a uh, another edition of the 1-1. One, one. Um, I will miss you next week. Yeah, uh, it'll, it'll feel... It'll feel very odd um, not making an appearance. I'll have to get me on the blower for a quick, uh, quick two-second job because I'm sure I will be doing some form. It'll just be limited while I'm away to try and refresh the mind. Um, but,
But uh, yeah, looking forward to uh, listening. I'll make sure I tune in on the Friday um, to the McCormick's or whoever you do get on. Uh, looking forward to getting um, hopefully in the weeks after that. I think it's time for W Pike again, um, BJ. So I'll uh, I'll send the feelers out um, and, and we'll try and get Mr. Pike back on the show. And hard man um, to hard man to pin down at the moment. He's well, jet, he, jet setting superstar, isn't he? It's yeah, it's quite incredible. Hopefully we get uh, twenty minutes while he's waiting for a, a plane or something. Mm. Um, we'll hear the Qantas Learjet in the background. But um, <laughs> his private yeah, jet soon. <laughs> yes, exactly right. But uh, enjoy uh, enjoy your week long weekend, everyone. Enjoy the punt. There's a fair bit happening. As BJ <laughs> yeah. mentioned enjoy the earlier. punt. Yeah, yeah so that's what we're always we're always we're always trying to enjoy the punt, aren't we? Yeah. yeah. <laughs> uh, how often is it? How often is it enjoyable though? Uh, I can't remember the last time. But yeah, I've, I've been, I've been, I've been told. I've been told. I've, I've seen some videos of myself celebrating some wins. Just for the listeners, while while we were recording one one, we did mm. pause for the first first narrative, and I've never seen someone more more uh, stressed out after after backing a horse that won by three lengths than than the guru. So so maybe this uh, this two week sojourn has come at the right time, Terry. Yeah, yeah, I'm not even yeah, I'm not even enjoying the winners at the moment. I'm I'm picking holes in yeah. That was a good bet too. That was nine to five. Um but um yes, enjoy the long weekend. I'm looking forward to the Jericho Cup as well on the Monday. Good luck to everyone taking uh taking part in that and until next week or until the following week for me on the one one.